This is Mahmoud Asrar, and you're listening to 11 o'clock comments. <laughs> Forceful. Nice. Well, you know, it's testosterone shots are working like a charm. What's working like a charm? Those testosterone shots. Damn right, man. And thanks for letting me borrow yours. No problem. What are we, three? Right? Really? Twelve? Really you, of all people, are going to play a maturity joke on us? <laughs> what does that mean? I, I, well, I you, you, you live in the puerile. You, you, I do. You relish in the immature. That's very true. Nina has me watching The Office. Oh, that's cool. Like, you didn't watch it when it was coming out? No. It is her all-time... That's so funny, dude. Like, is it something about Netflix? Because Jackson and Colin both watched the entirety of The Office in the last few months. It's definitely a Netflix thing. Yeah. Yes. And it's a... um, It's... Not not to cut you off. It it seems to be comfort food. It's um, in the sense that we stopped watching when when Steve Carell was still on the show. Okay. Nice. Um, but, um, wait, he left the show. Yeah. Oh, I stopped watching them before he left. Right. So, so did we, cause we were watching them as they were, as, as they were airing. And then we bought, I think the first few seasons on DVD, but, um, but since it's been on Netflix and when we were doing, when we were trying to sell the house and whatnot, shits were stressful. My wife went back to it just because it brought her to a happier time. And she did watch it all the way through. And there's some, some seasons, some characters that are some actors are some characters are brought in and and she's she's not a fan of but every night it seems to be she runs netflix she sets the timer on the tv and she'll fall asleep watching uh with a few episodes playing so i generally mm-hmm. fall asleep to the office as well but yeah it's it's on every single day in this house well, and see, i mean now it's in syndication it, it's on everywhere anyway yeah but it must be a thing because nina watches the office to go to sleep too Mm-hmm. She she can yes. re- she can recite the dialogue of every episode. It's it's her favorite show, and I always I made fun of it because I didn't get past like four episodes initially because I think Michael is an he's a moron. Well, sure. yeah, because the first the, the very first episode is pretty much a um, scene for scene of the original, and the UK Office is hilarious. I can watch that anytime. It's it's a little darker. It's it's a little bit more curt, but. The first episode, the pilot of the U.S. office, is pretty much the first episode of the U.K. office. It's not until the first few episodes after the fir- during the first season, and once we get past the first season, it becomes its own thing. And and I think you're going to notice that, Vince. But yes, the first few episodes are rough. Well, I'm I'm in season three now. Okay, and, and I still think Michael's an idiot. And yes, I, I don't understand well, what kind of a organization would promote him to manager. That's he, the point. Oh, oh, you'll see. You'll the whole see. Play There's is something the Peter principle, though, that got, that people rise up to a point of incompetence. Right. But there are there are moments where he'll be in a meeting, or he'll be talking to someone from corporate, and you will see, he'll say something, and he'll do something that shows you that he is a very very good and competent salesman. He's a shit yeah, exactly. man. He's a exactly. horrible people He's person. A great salesman. Yeah. Right. Well, right. the one I just got through, he got Hammer Mill to distribute their products through mm-hmm. Dunder Mifflin. And Jan is like, oh my God, right. we've right. never right. been able to do that. Yeah. And and he did it ass backward. He did it atypically. 
which is his modus operandi. But anyway, mm-hmm. the the show for me is Pam and Jim. Like when and it's yeah, that's, and the, that's the thing I, that's funny because I think they're by design like pretty milk toast. They they're just like regular people, but people kept watching for them. Right, because you you want it, you want that happy ending. It was the whole Ross and Rachel thing, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah, and and I lost it the other day because Jim was, uh, Dwight got promoted to security monitor, and Jim fudged his badge and made his middle name Fart. <laughs> Dwight <laughs> Fart, and I lost it. I just <laughs> to go back to the puerile part yeah, about it, and I, I that was like the funniest thing in three seasons. Dwight Fart Schrute, mm-hmm. but um, hey, everybody, sorry, it's not the Office cast. It's <laughs> it's eleven o'clock comics episode five hundred and eighty two. What what? Damn. Yes, and I am Vince Fart B. Oh, nice, nice. Yes. I am David A. The A does not stand for fart. Price. <laughs> I, I guess that that's all true, including the fart stuff. But I dwell on a great mountain. What used to call on me? Little I care if men live or die. Mm. Better to be silent than to call my attention to you. I will send you dooms, not fortune. I am grim and loveless, but at birth I breathe the power to strive and slay into a man's soul. What else shall men ask of the gods? Because I am Crom. Crom the scripted, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you're, you're not. <laughs> you're not Crom. Although I love you so much, you're Jason Wood, everybody. We are here together. Is he still here, or did he bail? <laughs> I went running out of the room. Yeah, f him. We're all together, everybody. And you don't have to praise the gods to get your funny books on the discount all you got to do is go for the go to the very place that's named discount comic book service that's dcbservice.com once again dcbservice.com get your books get them fast get them delivered right to your door as you can tell the list of specials uh, to my knowledge anyway has yet to be posted so we'll just give you the bare bones version you're not going to find your books cheaper anywhere else it's true Go to Discount Comic Book Service and get your books for a fraction of what everybody else is paying. It's just the smart way to do it. It's the way to do it. DCBService.com. People. Respect. Yeah. Respect. Put, put some respect on it. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a while. I don't like these uh, weekly episode bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vince. If you've been on the Facebooks lately, you will know that we did 66 episodes last year. I know. I saw that. Mr. Tallyman, Tally Me Banana. And we had how many guests? 18? 18 guests. That's awesome. And I was stunned when you uh, pointed out that Scotty Young was not one of them. Incredible, right? It's yes, nuts. Yeah. He, it feels like he was just here. I know. I know. Well, you know. And I don't think we saw him last year either, did I was we? just going to say, he wasn't at Heroes, and yep. he didn't come to New York, so yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, Bala Bala. 2018. He's a shot caller now. So. That's true. Yeah. He'll be, he'll be back. He'll be back. Like Arnold. What are we drinking? Because I got a very special uh, drink for hey, tonight. I'll probably drink I think we're all, yes, yes, we are. And, and I, uh, I cracked it open. Um, I didn't taste it yet, but I, uh, I, I decided to. I'm, I'm, I'm one sniff. glass in. All right. Oh, really? All right, then go, go for it. Then, well, let, let's see. Let's see what we got here. Okay. Well, uh, I I received. Uh, well, I, I, this is going to be a thank you too. Yeah. Uh, as is mine. 
Cool. Yes. Uh, I received a package, a hefty box, I might add. Yes. And it was from longtime listener, decade plus listener, uh, Darren Helsel. Yes. And I got to say, he he hit me in the feels because first of all, it's always very very gratifying and humbling when we get a, a gift of any kind from any of anybody. Um, but he wrote, uh, at least I assume he did for you all as well. He wrote a very nice handwritten card mm-hmm. with very, very, uh, personal and, and touching thoughts. I'm not going to read it on the air cause it's going to blow up a spot, but it was very, very nice. It was really, really thoughtful. And in the box were two gifts. One, he is a huge goon fan, which for those of you that listen to our <laughs> episode, book of the month, we were not huge goon fans. but after we recorded, we surprisingly got very little pushback. And a lot of people thought, much like we surmised, that the first two volumes of Goon are not necessarily the best examples of the work. And a lot of people said it really hit its stride and became what it is that everybody loves with the Chinatown stories, Chinatown and the mystery of Mr. Wicker. So uh, so Mr. Helsel included a hardcover collection of said Chinatown and the mystery of Mr. Wicker. And not only that, but it is signed with a remark by Mr. Powell inside of the book. Nice. So incredible. And then because he knows we do the drink roll call, and I suspect I'm not alone here, uh, he included a bottle of the grape from uh, a – a, a well, well, from his perspective, one of the better vineyards in Oregon, where he is from. And I received my bottle is Forager, a Pinot Noir from Willamette Valley. And yes. uh, it's 2017 Same. Pinot. And I am a glass in, and it is absolutely delightful. It is so smooth. It, it really is an excellent wine. So huge, huge thanks to Darren. Uh, appreciate both the book and the grape. Nice. See, if I was driving the bus, I would have said, I have a fourth world themed drink roll uh-huh. call because I too am drinking Forager. Sorry, I wasn't on my script. That's all right. Well, yeah. It's crumb. Yes. Yeah. And I got to say, um, Darren's thank you card is, is very artfully designed because it is a, a Walker Evans. It's a detail from the uh, yes. torn movie poster, and it's great. It's a nice card. It's uh, mine is lunch wagon detail, New York, nineteen thirty one. It it is a beautiful card, um, and uh, yeah, the 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 note was absolutely fantastic. Um, and he also included a Portland, Oregon, Bridgetown postcard. Where on the back he included a uh, an old fashioned recipe that I'm going to have to try during uh, these winter months because um, it's it seems to uh, I'll I'll actually have to have a bottle of uh, Fireball in the house for this. But um, wait, there's different for- recipes to old fashions. Yes. How can that be? Yes. Because it could depend on the bitters. It could depend on um, some people burn the orange peel. Some people don't. Some people muddy the ar- muddle the uh, the oranges beyond recognition. I I don't. Um, so I, just like the various iterations of a martini, right? You can have. Yeah. A, okay, gotcha. Yeah, oh, I mean, I people. You can, you can mess around with the bitters. You can um, mess around with the with the sugar, the sweetener, but. Um, yeah, it's uh, so. I'm I'm gonna try that. The 
book that was in my box was also autographed, uh, signed by the author. And it's, it's something that I had never completely slipped by me. Um, I mean, not that I've read everything this man has done, but I am very surprised to um, say that I didn't know such a thing as Jenny Finn existed. And this is by Mike Mignola, yep, Troy Nixie, Farrell Dalrymple, and Dave Stewart. And it is signed by Mr. Mignola. Look at Um, you. And I cannot wait to read this. It looks absolutely amazing. It's disturbing. Oh, that, yes. As I'm flipping through it, it absolutely looks disturbing. And it's uh, Lovecraftian, too. Yeah, I'm getting that sense. Yes. Well, I got a book also from from Mr. Helsel. And... uh, Dag Nabbit, it's rough to uh, hit me in the blind spot. It's hard. Yeah. All three of us. Mm-hmm. How, mm-hmm. how do you come in and, and give us something that we've never read? But this this is a blind spot. It's a fanographics book. But I'm not going to let that hold that against it. it. It's called Freeway from Mark Kalasnicko. And I, one, have never heard of this book or the writer-artist. But mm-hmm. holy crap, I was just paging through it, and it is chaotic and all over the place, and there's cartoon funny animals mixed with human beings, and it lo- it looks crazy. And it's black and white and extremely detailed. Um, I'm getting a little bit of a Gerhard vibe from the backgrounds, the architecture and, the, and stuff, and uh, it looks crazy. And I'm going to have this read for next episode. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It's it's chaotic as hell. It's scattershot. There's like shit going on here. I don't know what's going on, but I got to read it. So I will. I'll do that. You got to. Got to. Um, before we move on, I have a thank you. If no one else does. As do I. Same. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Cameron Hathaway. Oh, nope. Sent me some stuff. Remember, nice. I, I was the... The one oh yes, the he said he had said in my note that uh, that that yours was was coming. He was just waiting for it. But yeah, yes. right. he didn't want you to well, Cameron, the awesome, as I will call him henceforth, not only sent me uh, Charles Glaubitz's uh, Shock Futuro, which is a, a monograph, and it's it's amazing. I'm not going to try and describe uh, Glaubitz's art to you on the fly. Because ugh, it, it's a little bit Kirby collage when Jack was experimenting with uh, cutting out images and in his uh, machinery mode. Um, I, I have to let it sink in for a little while. It's the first time I've seen it. Uh, I'm familiar with with Globitz's work, but not this book. But the meat, the big, the big to do of the package, he actually sent me. This is crazy. Um, Hollow Press, the, uh, you know, I love Tetsunori Tawaraya. I love his work. Matt Brinkman does too, so we're in, in good company. He sent me the friggin' Tetsupendium Tarapedia, which I was going to order, but I never got around to it because I'm a lazy slob and mm-hmm. it was, um, overseas. So getting this book wasn't cheap. 
and uh, I I very much appreciate Mr. Hathaway for for sending me this, and I love every freaking page of it. And again, I will try and have it read for next time because if I had a wheelhouse, this would be smack dab right in the middle of it. And not only did he do that, but for the uh, Say Goodnight David tonight, Uh we will have a specially scripted interlude by Mr. Cameron Hathaway. Really? I don't know if he intended it to be that, but it's going to be. So, oh, snickersnack. Yeah, because on the uh, the wrapping paper around the book, he wrote, say, goodnight, and then there's a whole mess of words, and then it says David on the bottom of it. So that's what I'm going with tonight. Scripted by Cameron Hathaway, Endgame. Oh, so we're, we're opening and ending with some scripture. That's cool. And the, um, hey, why can't be like that? So, oh, so, so you'll be... <laughs> So, so the space between mm-hmm. the T and Knight and D mm-hmm. and David will be what Cameron has on the wrapping. Yes, I thought that. Okay. was what is okay. a fun little that thing cool. to do? Mixing it up, I, keeping it fresh. I, I, I didn't see the wrapping paper, so I, I, I mean, repeat it. But who, that's cool. Who freaking wants to hear me go boop, 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 like that's everybody? That gets boring every week. Um, I received a box from your friend and mine. Flip a dipper. Flip a dipper. And uh, we will see in a uh, few scant months. I'm going to start saying weeks because I just I want it to be now. But uh, um, uh, this whenever um, whenever Flip heads over to any conventions, he um, he, he he looks for. Um, issues of daredevil prior to issue 300 um so 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 to refill any of the um the the, the couple of the the miller issues i may be missing and and um some of the the senti and jrjr stuff um so in this box was was actually issue 230 which is part of the born again arc uh there are some um Nascenti written issues as well as um, two parts. No, I'm sorry, three. Three parts of Last Rites, which is drawn beautifully by Mr. Lee Weeks. And it is um, it's the DG Chichester run. Uh, so that's issues 297, 298, and 300. Uh, so I know what I'm looking for. In Chicago, but the best the, the best two parts of this box was this cool, funky looking Spider Man figure that I have no idea is for what. Um, it's 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 the strangest looking. He's all top heavy. Um, it's like a Neil Adams Spider Man. But speaking of Neil Adams, there's also from Power Records, Star Trek: The Time Stealer. Oh, that's a good one. So I um, am going to have to. I was actually talking to our good friend um, Ray and uh, picking his brain for um, inexpensive, um, but still decently made turntables. Because now that I have that that used record store around the corner, and and um, I 
don't know if I want to dive into vinyl, but there are some things that I'd like to get on vinyl. And now I have this this little LP, so I, I need to play it on something. So thank you, Flip. Sweet. Mm-hmm. And uh, my thanks, I guess it was that we this one was different for every one of us. Um, I got something from Mr. Rob Stevenson, and he is a big Moby Dick fan like myself. And it turns out that uh, he did some Moby Dick themed lino cuts, Vince, which is assume it's really hard. Oh, good God. Nice. Yeah. So he sent me an absolutely stunning, and I'll, uh, I'll post it onto the, to the, I'll post it onto the uh, discussion for the for the episode. He sent me an awesome Queequeg lino cut that he made. Hot with uh, it's, got, it's got the white whale in the background, but it's like it's like Queequeg, like heavy heavy is the hand that like he's holding his hand like and stressed out and like gigantic harpoon spear with uh, almost like a scrimshaw you know black overlay. It's it's fantastic. So thank you so much. It's great. Beautimous. That's mm-hmm. nice. That's not yeah. easy. Lino cuts are hard. There you go. Can't tell you how many times I stab myself doing that shit. Mm. It's tough. All right, let's get into the comics. Let's do it. Anything? Do it. Uh, anything come out this week? Noteworthy? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Uh, from Marvel, this uh, pretty much is one of the best constructed first issues I've read in in quite a long time. I hope you agree. Because it was written by Jason Aaron. Yo, he's got a future, I think. I think so, but um, illustrated by what I call the best showing of his career to date. Yes, oh, um, Mahmoud Azrar. Yeah, and wow. color art, superb color art by Mister Matthew Wilson. Also, it's, yes. It's, yes, it's a little book called Conan the Barbarian, Woo! number one. I hurt my ass is hurting because it knocked me right on it. Mm-hmm. Remember when this was originally solicited? Um, on the back end, I said, "You know, I love Mahmoud. I really do. I think he's phenomenal." But I don't know if he's going to be able to to because I'm used to seeing Mahmoud doing people in very very tight costumes and mutants and 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 superheroes and and contemporary stuff like. Like buildings and cars and stuff and and mm-hmm. and I didn't I've I've I failed you Mahmoud because I I to be honest I I really didn't think the match was good. You have little faith. I know I, I but he proved me horribly horribly wrong by producing a book that is is just a, a tour de force. It's phenomenal, and um, here's the rub. <laughs> you love this. You Here's absolutely he, love it. I, I'm so tickled that of of all the things to that the hook or the elevator pitch or, or, or the the idea behind this particular story in this first issue is 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 tickling you so. Because it's it's a very, very gutsy, ballsy move on the creative team's part because to my knowledge, I'm I'm a very big um, long time Conan fan. I, I've read, uh, you know, a ton of the Robert E. Howard stuff, the Lynn Carter stuff. I've I've read a lot of Conan, yeah, the Mar, the Roy Thomas stuff. Like I've lived with Conan since I've been able to to really 
comprehend what I'm reading. Like, maybe I started with Conan when I was eight, seven, eight, around there. You know, Conan came after Spider-Man but in Fantastic Four. But okay, he was in on the ground floor, more or less. And, and I, I know this guy. And, and so, it, it, yes, it's one of those sacred cows that I'm really finicky. I didn't like the Brian Wood Conan at all. That's why I didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, you could tell when I don't like something that's did, beloved to me. I just won't talk about it. Did you like the music? Oh, yeah. Born on the Battlefield was great. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It, it was uh, – and Carrie Nord? I don't think Carrie oh, Nord – Carrie Nord has yeah. no, no disrespect to Carrie. Uh, he's never looked better. No. Like, it, like whatever – everything he's done. Oh, even the exo stuff. stuff. Yeah, no. Yeah, that, that, yeah. I, and I like him. I'm not saying he's bad, but I'm just right. saying – Right, right. That, that, that was one of those um, beautiful pairings that just worked mm-hmm. so freaking well. His belief. Yes. I mean, I have no attachment to belief, but I've tried many times when I'm just searching around for OA – to find a Carrie Nord delete page like on eBay or whatever, just because that's, I thought it was one of those beautiful women I've ever seen drawn in comics. Yeah. Well, real talk. Nobody drew Belit better than Basima. No doubt, but if I'm going to buy a Basima page, you know what I'm buying. Yes, I know. So here's the rub. And what was I saying? Oh, yes. I, it, it's, it's a very ballsy move because, to my knowledge, no one has ever attempted to tell the tale of the death of Conan, if that, in fact, is what this is. But it's being touted, at least in this first issue, as here's this guy who's had a bazillion adventures, and you know all of those, but not this one, because this this is the 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 way it ends. And I'm like, okay, that's that. Those are big words. We're going to see how how this pans out. First chapter, amazing. Conan is is young, and he's fighting in the pits of Maul. And where's Maul located? But in Zamora, the infamous city of thieves. We've all well, if Conan fans have been there before. Um, bets are made, most wager against Conan. Um, but there's someone there, um, a sultry blonde, who's clad in crimson. Mm, so fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> stop. <laughs> Uh, and she throws you betcha right <laughs> attractive. Uh, so she throws all <laughs> of of her coins at Conan. She says, "Yeah, you just watch." So as hey, expected, as expected, Conan wins, right? And so does the blonde, and they have words, and and as usual, Conan beds the the woman, and they have the sex, or they begin to have the sex, and she's raking his back with her fingernails and he's like hey whoa, this is young. Um, but unfortunately she had poison or a toxin in her fingernails and uh, before he succumbs to the toxin Conan learns that the woman was not a comely lass but a haggard witch camouflaged by a glamour and this woman is the crimson witch and she has plans for Conan what kind of plans well Conan's life up until this point has made him ripe for what she wants to do because he's seen and endured uh, so many horrors in his relatively short time on the planet and because his blade had tasted far more than a share of mortal and extra mortal flesh combined with the fact that he had escaped death, you know, the clutches of death in each instance, his blood, his very blood, the thing that makes him 
sustain is infused with this right kind of death magic to raise the crimson which is god which is a dude or a we don't know yet uh, a thing by the name of razazel the red rod of doom i love this thing already because if you're if you're going around calling yourself the red rod of doom <laughs> you better mm-hmm. you better have the stuff to back it up but so also as expected conan escapes the predicament he gets out of his uh bonds and he's slays the crimson witches undead cronies and he finally separates her head from her body okay dead witch yeah, yeah. more or less yeah yeah dead witch so time passes, and as we all know, Conan ascends to the throne of Aquilonia. His army successfully fends off a Turanian invasion. They're good, good soldiers, and they got an even better commander in Conan. So he's he's on the battlefield, and he's looking around, and he's surveying all the dead, and he's putting to uh, putting them out the ones that aren't dead out of their misery. You know, sticking them, and he and he sees two children in the distance. That well, what the hell is this? It's a boy and a girl, and they're dressed in crimson, and they're collecting the remains of the fallen soldiers. Bring out your dead. They have a wagon, and they're throwing dead bodies on the wagon. Um, and wouldn't you know it? They're both um, pale, or they're both fair of hair and 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 skin, but they're dressed in red, like I said. So why are they doing this? Well. If you put two and two together, you guessed it. They're they're doing it to raise their god, Razazel. And um, not to spoil the ending, but there's a bloody surprise in store for the barbarian who would be king. And I was floored. I thought it was the right, the exact perfect recipe to to launch this thing. Mm -hmm. A a little bit of the old, a little bit of the the later stage Conan. Um, It's... Uh, you could tell that the creative team was trying to do a little bit of nudge, nudge, wink, wink, because there are things in the book, most notably the Crimson Witch's top, which is Red Sonia's bikini top with the chainmail thing, and it just it it just pushed mm-hmm. it, it pushed all the right buttons. It's violent, it's gory. Heads are separated from necks. All over the place. You got the supernatural element with the witch. It's it was absolutely perfect in my estimation, and and I'm sorry, Mahmoud. I I I did you wrong. I I I pausing because I don't have much to say that isn't in agreement. It, it I don't have anywhere near the history of Conan with you, but I've definitely read a decent amount in the last decade or so that we've been doing the show. Um, I really do like the character. He's always a character that I feel as though I wish I have read more. And he's always, it's always kind of in the back of my mind, like, Oh, I should read some more Conan. Um, I think that this is another feather in Jason's cap. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I know by now it's no, no surprise. Everyone knows he's one of Marvel's top dogs, but if you think about it, they've, they've entrusted him I mean, he holds rare air. I mean, because not only has he taken a turn um, with with most of the key superhero properties, at least in some form, there now, but remember, it was Jason who they tapped to helm the Star Wars launch. Yep. And now it's Jason who they have to helm the Conan relaunch. So, 
I mean, he is their go-to guy when it comes to bringing these properties back into the house of, uh, of ideas. So, um, I don't know if he's a Conan fan. Um, I know he was a huge Star Wars fan, you know, before he got a chance to write that book. But I, I don't have any idea. I haven't seen or heard any interviews if this was a, another pa- passion project for him. Um, before mm-hmm. you go on, in yeah. the uh, and and great. Um, speaking of callbacks, the uh, the letters page, the Hyborian page, uh, the Mark Basso. The uh, series editor says, for any unaware, series writer Jason Aaron has been a passionate Conan fan since adolescence, and the Conan books that proudly adorn his office shelf are not mere props, but a testament to the fact that, as he said before, this is truly a book that part of him has been preparing to write since he was 12 or 13 years old. Yikes. Okay. There you go. Well, there you go. And he's got the first year or so planned out. Awesome. Obviously, I mean, he doesn't. Jason's not one to, to half-ass anything. I mean, that's evident with with his his Thor saga. And um, while I'm not current on Avengers, I know that that's not something that uh, he's just you know thinking he's going to do a few issues with and run. Uh, yeah, exactly. Aaron knows like, how to spin out kind of guy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and and then just just to echo your thoughts again, which is to say, in fact, I I hit after I read this issue. I uh, I hit up Mahmoud and said, "Listen, I I don't uh, I don't I, I want to make sure that you take this in the in the most complimentary way possible, but this is the best work of your career." Because um, you know I don't like I know sometimes people put stuff like on Twitter like, "Oh, this is their best work," right? No, that can be taken as like as if like, "Oh, they're finally good," which obviously is not what we mean in this case, right? So, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you guys know, and I'm sure the audience knows. I I, I own at least a dozen Mahmoud pages. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I didn't do our inventory here, but but he is definitely one of the artists I own more, like the most away from of any specific artist. So I am a massive fan already, but I really do think this is, um, th- this is the best he's ever looked. I really do think that it, it's, it's, and, and not because he hasn't already been great. I, I think if, if there were three or four Conan issues this year, uh, instead of the one at the tail end, I, I, uh, or did it come out? No, it came no. Out like okay. Yeah. Yesterday. I was going to say, so he's, but, but a couple more like this and, and he's, He's squarely in the hunt for for my artist of the year. No, I, mean, he, I gotta agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's it's. Um, I mean, I'll I will be looking now on on Cadence's site for Conan pages, which is not something I thought I'd do because I didn't think I'd ever be able to 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 get a Bushima page. But um, yeah. I'm waiting for that delete arc. Though I gotta. Oh sure. <laughs> I I I I told it's um I think that this is. It, I feel as though, just based on this first issue, that that this is what Machen's going to be remembered for. He's 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 had some fun runs on on books, you know. And he he was there when the New Fifty Two brought back Supergirl and or introduced Supergirl, and uh, he he did the arc with Bendis on All New X Men. We we like his older stuff from from Dynamo Five, things like that. But this is as as guys have already said. There's this is. I will be whatever Mahmoud works on after this. This is what I will be comparing it all to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just a little bit more about how it just pushes all the right buttons. The I don't know how many covers for this thing were, were produced, but uh, in my opinion, the Ribic is is by far the best. 
And Ooh, I don't know if that Opinion one is nice. It, it is nice, but the Ribic looks like it could have appeared on the cover of Savage yeah. Sword. It right. just, well, it, I mean, Ribic has got that. I mean, he's a painter. It, it fits his style. Yeah, and sure. it's perfect. Yeah. It's a great yeah. cover with one exception. That little blurb on the bottom includes part one of an all-new Conan novella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That should not be on the bottom. That should be up on the top, splitting that column on the mm-hmm. right-hand side. If it was bigger and and higher on the page, it would been it would have been a perfect cover because that oh, yeah. that's yeah. Marvel in the seventies. That mm-hmm. that is the Savage Sword way to do that. Blah! Look at this. It's a part one of a all new Conan. Novel. That and, should have been up in front, front and center. Mm-hmm. And and you, I was going to mention it if it wasn't if it if you hadn't, but the um, yeah the the added back matter with the with the chapters of of, uh, of this short story, I, I think is a pretty neat touch. Yeah, well. I didn't and read that yet, but I didn't either. Um, and. And because it's it's the the legacy age, um, while it's Conan the Barbarian number one, uh, it is also a Conan the Barbarian number two hundred and seventy six because Conan ran Conan the Barbarian the comic book ran for two hundred and seventy five issues back in the day. Um, yeah, but you know what the the first page of this thing gives uh, tip of the hat to the Busick run with the Born on the Battlefield thing. Okay. You know, at least they're they're taking into account that someone other than people at Marvel oh, sure. worked on yeah. this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But um, again, the buttons, no O prints that between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis. I mean, that is how a Conan story should start. At least the first chapter, right? The center spread with with the Barry Windsor Smith and the Basima and a little bit of a Gil Kane up in the corner and the Alfredo Alcala and I mean Ernie Chan. It's it's all there. Right, they're saying, yeah, we Marvel has had a long legacy with this character, and it's back at Marvel. So you know, we got him now, and this is what you're going to get. And then it just yeah. imme- immediately launches into the story, and it's like, Jesus, this thing took my breath away. Mm-hmm. I, I've never. It, it's. I thought, I thought the movie was was cool and all, and and it it. Had, was on cable right at that time where, you know, you, you, you see a scantily clad, um, barbarians wench and, you know, and, and your eyes are kind of fixated on that. I was never, I, I never read, um, never read any of, of, of the stories before, um, the comic books of the character. And honestly, I only read and bought, as many Conan issues as I did because of the Marvel banner on the cover. If, if I wasn't such a, a, a whore for what Marvel was putting out in the eighties, I probably, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have shrugged it off, but I, I still, because I mean, this was, this was a character who wasn't going to, you know, until we got, what if it wasn't going to be bumping into Spidey or showing up at Avengers mansion. So it's not like this was uh, for me, a typical, Marvel comic that I would you know run to to the newsstand to buy, but because of Marvel, I was interested in the character, and I was surprised I, I had as many Conan issues as, as I had back then. And I, I I stuck with with Conan the King or King Conan with the name change. Um, yeah, the Sylvester art in that. I just I don't have the affection 
that you have, Vince, but I definitely appreciate um, the history. And I, I, I recognize the attraction the character has to so many people. Mm-hmm. They usually um, say that the Bronze Age of comics starts with the Gwen Stacy issue of uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Um, what issue is that? Uh, 122 around there yeah but i think it's conan number one starts, i do too starts the bronze age yeah. i do too i and mm. i don't think that this is the first time i don't know if it's the first time we've mentioned this or if i, no, I feel like years ago but, we talked about the ages and maybe this was part of the discussion. i think yeah yeah but uh, like a minute ago though because yeah yeah it's not recent that the uh 122 is 1973 that's right. a little too late. I mean, th- according no. to according to the the sources, uh, bronze is one uh, nineteen seventy to nineteen eighty five. If it's nineteen seventy, freaking Conan number one is in October of nineteen seventy. Yeah. Right. That yeah, that that's, that's bada boom, you know. But be that as it may, they're both great comics. Um, it, it was Conan that was more adult to me, especially. Um, the uh, Savage Tales magazine was like, oh, I don't know if I should be reading sure. this because uh-huh. because there was Wasn't like that the best New York kid when you yes. you weren't sure you were really supposed to have and and Basima and Alcala on Savage mm. Sword. It was like, oh, damn. But the, my, I mean, my my love for the character comes from reading Robert E. Howard Conan paperbacks in the back of the car when we went on mm-hmm. trips. Like I would devour the entire paper. Those Frazetta covers. Yeah, that's what made me buy them. And that's another thing. I associate Frazetta as does as do many people with Conan. So it's just the whole love affair of comics and art and and yep. just the pulps and yeah, I love Conan. And and yep. this this to me was like a slam bang, home run, knock it out of the park, hold it down and slice its throat. It's just was awesome. am, am, amazing. And I'm sorry. Well, we tip me. our cap. Yep. Marvel yep. Dunn did it right. Yeah. I'm going to punch somebody in the face if this does not come out in a hardcover. I'm punching them right in the oh, face. Oh, it will. It will. <laughs> they'll do, they'll, this will come out in all kinds of forms. They'll do that uh, pretty much, I get to say, I mean, Marvel, it's funny, like Marvel doesn't sell seemingly a lot of, of, of collected editions, at least relative to how many how much it dominates the single issue market. But they do a good job of, of uh, expensive though they may be, they do a good job of putting out things in multiple forms. Because like pretty much any run that goes for more than a year, they they eventually put out uh, they don't call them Omniboo anymore, but they put out like an, a hardcover with all of the issues. So I would assume that you'll get like 12, 18 issue hardcovers of this. Yep. So. And they already announced that the, I mean, hot on the heels of this, Marvel's bringing back Savage Sword. Yeah. Yeah. Where I mean, we knew yeah, that. Three titles. Cause, cause what, they, three? They, um, yeah. 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 What's the it's other one? The- um. They're not doing oh, King Conan, are they? Uh, Savage Sword of Conan and Age of Conan. Age of Conan. They'll have more info on both in the next issue. Uh, but suffice it to say, we'll be exploring even more periods of Conan's life as well as other characters from his series, such as the Pirate Queen, whose untold origin will be our first Age of Conan. Oh, damn. Arc. Wow. Well, Ron Garney's doing Savage Sword. Right. Yeah. I don't know who's doing age because it's the first time I've heard of it. Yeah, they haven't announced it yet. Maybe it's in this previous. And and just before 
I, I, I know it was mentioned, but uh, just giving credit where it's due. But I, I was looking on Comic Book DB to see how often uh, Mahmoud and Matt Wilson have worked together, and it hasn't been all that often. And mm-hmm. that's probably something else that makes this issue pop for me is that Could these be. two work. So I just want Matt to color everything Mahmoud does. For Here's me. the thing about that because that's funny you say that because. Dap, you, I mean, you own one too. You know, Mach, for those that don't know, Mahmoud does a very distinctive type of commission, and his commission work looks different than his comic work because he he colors it. You know, it's fully colored, and I think this book looks a lot like his commission work mm-hmm. from a color palette perspective. Mm-hmm. So they, they must have been in sync with that. Like, I have a feeling Mahmoud maybe either Matt looked at. Mahmoud's commission work and got a sense for the vibe, or they just they just clicked, or it was maybe it was a serendipity. Who knows? But but uh, but it definitely seemed like it was a color palette that Mahmoud is used to working with. I mean, I just keep looking at at the last page of the cliffhanger of and and <sighs> Conan on the ground, and, and it just it looks so gorgeous and and more detailed than than I'm usually getting. With Mahmoud, when I think of the the, the X Men stuff, and yeah, it's it's just it's it's so intense. And there, you know, I I I, I tend to nitpick about first issues or or certain. Wait, you do? I, it, it might be news to you, and, <laughs> and you know where, whether you know I feel like it could have been a double size issue or oh this could have been the free comic book day issue. But this, the cliffhanger, everything leading up to it, the beat, like the way. Aaron paced the story from the the flashback to future and and it's just but but the way it all I, he didn't you may have gotten a sense of where it was going because it's a Conan story but nothing it it, it was still you know the the page turns and everything was set up so that you were still going to be surprised and and it it's I did not know. It just this was a a very, very well done first issue in in so many different ways. Yep. Yeah, agreed. and the 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 full page when Conan's on the throne and he's just brooding. That's straight Schwarzenegger when he sees yeah. when yeah, he yeah, sees yeah. the the vision of himself as king. That is so so they're doing justice to not only the comics but the movies too. It's just it's stupid how good this issue was. It is, and that's another yeah. that's another image by Mahmoud. I mean, the 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 fold in in the uh, in the tunic and and just it's it's. And you know what? I, it's almost like where I almost do a double take because I'm like, I, it looks like Mahmoud. The figure work is there, but then I, I I scrutinize it and I'm like, he just he's serious. There is as much as Aaron may love the character and wanted to tell this story. This is obviously a labor of love for Mahmoud. Yeah, but and. As an illustrator, it's easy to draw the extremes, not so much to do the subtleties. Now, mm-hmm. Conan screaming and grunting and cutting people's heads off and rah, and the rage and that 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 berserker adrenaline fueled, you know, emotion that comes from you know killing people on the battlefield. That's relatively easy to do. But it's the subtleties, like the body language of the Crimson Witch, and that look in her eye when she's just like glancing at him, like that's crazy hard to do. The and he knows just how much of the sex to let through, like the underboob, just a hint of what's uh-huh. going on behind that that robe, and it's just like, oh my god, I hate you. 
You're so damn good. He's so good. And he good. doesn't even... And, and it, Because I, of the, the... Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, let's be honest. We didn't see this Mahmoud on Uncanny X-Men. That recently, no, no, we did not see this. Nope. I don't. I don't. I don't know if he was. He was just trying to get it out. I'm not. I'm not saying it was bad, but it was not this. This is next level mock mode. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And and he. Yeah. I don't know how. How detailed, Aaron's scripts are. The, the first double page spread. Well, yeah. After brooding, King Conan and and we're in the pit, and. Conan slicing heads off. You have you have the audience, you have the spectators looking on behind him. None of that's phoned in either. I mean, no, it, hell it's no. Just, it's he 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 draws the characters. Everybody's distinct. Everybody's. I mean, the coloring is. It's all you know with with, with shading and whatnot. It's fine, but it it's everybody's got a face. Everybody is 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 active or handless. It's just it looks. There's there's nothing. You know he didn't. There's no big purple background and, no. and just you know and, and a couple of doodles to make it look like there are some people there. You you got a lot of drunk people, yes, and and a lot of excited people. But then you got bored guy holding his head in his hand like this 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 freaking blows. And then you got disturbed and gonna throw up guy. He's got his hand over his mouth when he sees the guy's head cut off. It's there's just a a a, a big spread of of emotion going on even in the background. Yeah, I want I want a page of original art from this. Yes, easily absolutely. easily procured. Yeah, but yeah, but what? Okay, we'll talk later. Yep. Yeah. Uh, nice. All right. Well, there we go. Let's uh, let's keep this train rolling. All right. You know, if this if if one of the spectators had facial hair, I think that was the three of us that Bakmo drew there. All right. It's all good. Not yet. After this episode, maybe. Maybe. Speaking <laughs> of drawing our visages. Yes. We are uh, nearing the end of our annual EOC logo contest. Mm-hmm. We've had quite a few submissions. We've had some that we've put, decided to post them publicly for everyone to see. We've had plenty of others who have decided to just send them directly to us. But uh, I've certainly been impressed with the quality. Yeah. We haven't chosen yet, but we will, I guess, announce the winner what next week. Yeah. We may tell the person they won before next week, right? But maybe on the episode we'll yeah. announce it and and maybe regale the, maybe actually make the the transition over to it. Mm, yeah, no? I no, I just um I had an idea and I don't know, and maybe it's a thing we should talk about off the air. Yeah, we'll talk about it off the air. Okay, okay. Have ideas. I have an okay. idea because I'm torn between two. Oh, okay. There, oh, there, well, then, all there's, right, well, let's talk about that after the show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. And then um. Also, today is the third. Next episode will be on the 10th. And then the following episode, the 17th. There's, by the way, there's just so everybody knows, there are uh, five Thursdays this month. So you get five episodes, um, even if we weren't giving you bonus content this one of those months. But uh, anyway, the 17th is going to be our 11 O'Closkers, <laughs> our awards favorite 2018 award show. And I... People have been asking what the deadline is. Uh, I've loosely said roughly the 13th. I'll close it down to give me a few days to tally the votes. So once again, if you would like to submit, there are two easy ways to get to where you need to get to. You can go to 11 o'clockcomics.com, and that's 11 o'clockcomics.com. 
Uh, and DAP has a handy-dandy link right at the top on the uh, the menu bar, right next to episodes, to the right of episodes, to the left of interviews, the 2018 11 O'Clockers. You can click on that. It will bring you to the, uh, to the survey page. Or if you feel like typing in a URL directly, you can type in rebrand, R-E-B-R-A-N-D, dot L-Y, backslash 11 o'clock comics, and that will bring you to the same spot. Um, we're doing well. I checked on, I think it was Saturday and before New Year's, and um, we had 98 qualified entries. I defined a qualified entry as at least 60% of the questions answered, because I understand some of you may not have an opinion on a given category or two. That's fine. Um, so we're getting there. I mentioned that because if we get over 100, which we may in fact already be at by this point, but we could certainly be there after you all listen to this, we will draw a random uh, name from that uh, qualified group, and you will get a Marvel or DC Omnibu that's in print of your choice as a prize for participating. But good participation so far, nice eclectic list, and um, I know the three of us have a lot of work to do. Because it's it's going to be a tough year to figure out, I think, at least for me. Nice. Um, but yeah, so uh, so getting a little minutia out of the way there. Minutia. Minutia. Sweet. David and I got caught up on a book. Yes, we did. And we've been, we've been talking we've been talking about it for a while in dribs and drabs, and we'll probably do a couple of drabs here because. Um, you know, y'all know the score. It's a great book, The Terrifics, Woof. by uh, Jeff Lemire and company. Sure. Um, you are reading that, Jason? I am indeed. I am. Uh, I think I've read through eight, nine. Okay. okay. Did you read the annual? Yes. Hmm. I thought the the annual was. Why would you ask me and then say mm? no? I th- I this is means mm about the annual. I thought <laughs> I, I thought the annual was the very very low point of the run because uh, not felt, none of it's it written like by Jeff. Annual. Right, right. It it, 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 it was did. it was it was a cool anthology, but it just wasn't. It, it was okay. Right. Mm. It it was nice to know how the Celestial Titan got that way. Sure. From the from the first issue and and the fact that. Um, Tom Strong was involved in it. I mean, it just makes it all the more better. But I thought, you know, the, the annual was a whiff. That said, I think the series proper is phenomenal. And I hope it goes on forever. The 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 way that he's manipulated these characters into a... Yes, it is, a, it is an homage to what Jack and Stan did on the Fantastic Four, um, especially with the the villain that's been introduced, the guy that's been pulling the strings, the the, for the and whole. How do you feel about that? I don't care. I think it's great. Yeah, it's all it's all in good fun. It's 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 ridiculous comics, and I think it, it works that way. I don't I don't have um, a huge. Right, it's not exactly. He's not a character. Yeah, that many people are like, oh my god, I can't believe you did that to him. That's well, so it, out of character. It was revealed. In in the what issue, ten, nine or ten? Yeah, that that Doc Dread, Doctor Dread is in fact the end of nine. The end of nine. Yeah, is in fact Java, the uh, the uh, caveman who, you know, man out of time mm-hmm. that uh, he loves, um, 
Metamorphos, yeah. yeah, he he loves Metamorphos Squeeze so much, he lays it all out on the table, and she spurns him. So um, he's doing this for her, according to him, that uh, trying to get Metamorpho and company off the table in order for him to to have her all to himself. But uh, it's it's just it's silly, but it's fun, you know. How did he construct that that armor, and and how did he get? all the pieces in position and, and how did he know about the dark matter universe? Like it's just, it's silly. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it, it doesn't really have to. It's fun. Right. It is fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I, you know, we, there's no point in, um, harping the whole, um, yeah, that's what I said. We, I mean, our, our team, but the, um, no, cause we went off on that a few episodes back regarding the whole new age and um, how it's going to be penciled forward. But I do think that the recent, um, the issue nine by drawn by uh, Jose Luis was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mentioned uh, issue 10 was very, um, Bogdanovich is is very much um, channeling, Greg Capullo. Um, I thought the art was great in 10. And it, yes, yes, there are. Um, and I think it's even better in 11, uh, which came out yesterday. Um, so I read up to that. And 11, each, each, each of the past few issues have had some really cool cliffhangers where, where you know, the last page is, is pretty cool. And, and there's the page right before... Um, basically the the equivalent to the final scene on an episode of the flash and then you get the lightning bolt and then you get the little bit of extra story that leads into the bigger plot of the season um is a nice little cyclops leaving the x-men homage uh but yeah 11 had a hell of a cliffhanger 11 deals a lot with the um with the multiverse which is always cool to see that's that's uh you're not going to get me to um It'll be very hard for me to crap on any story where where a multiverse is involved, but the uh, true that I'm I'm I yeah the, Jeff is able to write a story about anything that there's really almost any genre. I don't think um, that he can succeed writing any genre, and and wh- whether it's just something like Royal City whether it's something like Black Hammer, uh, which, of course, ties into the whole superhero thing like the Terrifics, but the Terrifics has been, it's been the only um, New Age book that I've, I've stayed with, or that I, I'm sorry, that I, that I read almost as soon as, it, as, as, as I get my box. The, um, mm-hmm. I did let the cat, last couple of issues uh, pile up, but even earlier issue where everybody, each member of the team got their own panel. And then when, uh, when they were all together or however many characters were in a panel that, 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 um, were in a scene, the panel got, got larger. So fall forward together. You got the big splash page. Um, I just, it, it's a lot of fun. It, it almost, it, it doesn't really. And as, as, Vince mentioned with the whole Fantastic Four riff, 
it there are times where I'm reading it and it, it so doesn't feel like a DC book. And that's not a slight. That's not, you know, I, when I think of a DC book, I think of certain, certain ticks are being checked off, but this is um, obviously, you know, plastic man's a long time DC character. So is metamorpho. Um, yeah, th- there are a lot of DC elements in this, but but the way Jeff is writing it, the way these characters are acting together, and the stories that they're going that that he's putting them in, it really doesn't feel like a DC book to me. I could see where you're coming from on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as the visuals go, I, I really like Dale Eaglesham's work. I, I think he's yeah. a he's a very very capable and talented illustrator and I, and and mm-hmm. i his his lines and his composition everything he does makes me very happy but i think if i had to pick the mvp for this series it's doc shaner by far i think shaner gets where what what lemire's trying to do yeah yeah right e- eaglesham draws linea far too sexy for a teenage girl like she shouldn't be that developed. If you look right. at the way Shaner draws her, she's she's flat chested. She's not. Hey, look at my ass. Mm-hmm. Where where mm-hmm. when Eaglesham? I mean, it's just Eaglesham being himself, right? Right. But but I think he did that with Susie. Yes. When, I, when Hickman was writing Fantastic Four. Yeah, I think he just in, injects a little bit too much of the va va voom into this teenage girl to the point where right, it's, a, right. it's a little unsettling. Um. But I mean, I and his, his his male characters are a lot beefier than they need to be as well. He, well that's Reed, right? Reed, his Reed that's was like right. a bodybuilder, his, his, right? Because his I, I thought he was like channeling um, John Bushima from from after the the Kirby run. But yeah, he was he was bulky and and large. Reed was yeah. way too big. Um, but Shaner just has Shaner has a knack for for characters like Metamorpho for 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 the action adventure stuff for for drawing something some a character like Plastic Man. I mean that's he just that almost seems effortless for him. Yeah, when when I look at Shaner's interpretation of of the Terrifics, it it seems to me like it's another part of the um, Johnny Quest universe. Mm-hmm. Like all this should be could be taking place in that Hanna Hanna Barbera universe that they had not too long ago. The Future Quest stuff. It seems like the Terrifics could be part of that. And um, his Metamorpho is not as grotesque as everybody else's. Like there's a mm-hmm. little. He's almost handsome in a in a kind of like a Swamp Thing kind of way with the with the turned up nose. But uh, that's another thing. I thought the Swamp Thing cameo was just. It was goofy. It didn't really play too much into the story other than, hey, Tom Strong and Mr. Terrific are going to meet the Swamp Thing. Like, why not? Right. You know, we're going to go to the, to, to the present-day Earth that, that Mr. Terrific is from, and they're going to run into Alec Holland. Why not? You know, it, because um, Eaglesham probably felt like drawing the Swamp Thing, and it worked. Yeah. It was just a blip, a bump in, in the narrative, but so what? It was fun. That that that's the whole thing that I that I, I read the terrifics for. It's just it's it's no baggage fun comics. You'd, yeah, you know, it, it would be nice if I had a frame of reference for the whole metal inspiration for all this, and we will come February. But it's not necessary. But it, you know, like because they, they they constantly go back to that dark matter universe like this is where it's all and not only this book but um 
the other books too, like uh, Hawk Band showed up in Unexpected, and um, well, forget about Brimstone, which is just a mess. Uh, Brimstone, Brimstone started off really good, and I think Justin Jordan kind of lost his way, dropped the ball, whatever you want to call it. It 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 got. It's it's just there was there was a two part story about these murderous kids, it's, that was not fun to read at all. But I mean the art was still good. It's just that the the creative the the visuals for Brimstone changed way too many times. And I know that goes back to Jason's beef about the the whole New Age line in general was that you know if you're going to start it off with saying it's artist driven and then the artist changes yeah. every two issues and yeah, you, you, you got know. a you got a big problem. But yeah, Brimstone. I wrote that off. I, I I wanted to love it, and I did love the first like three issues. But then once Philip Tan left, and Jordan just took it off the rails into some not the original contract, you know, whatever. But yeah, I lost my way again, like like him. Uh, no, I just think the Terrifics is a joy, and it, it it's definitely my favorite book at DC. Not having caught up on Tom King's Batman, I I find the Terrifics to be the DC book that I most look forward to. There you go. Yep. Nice, Jason. Why don't you uh, fill my ears with with the goodness? Well, as as luck would have it, I actually also finished a, um, or I should say, caught up. But in this case, it's finishing a Jeff Lemire uh, book. Oh, yes, I know, right? And and it's it's. Interestingly enough, uh, at, at Marvel. So here we are praising Jeff on his work at DC. And, and now uh, we, we talked about this book, the first few issues, which is The Century. Uh, and the fifth and final issue of the mini came out in December. And it was sitting on my pile for a few weeks. And I finally got around to reading it. And I think he stuck the landing. It's it's the, the fourth issue. I, I think we might have talked about it briefly. The fourth issue... Well, the, the, let, let me step back. The, the prem, first of all, it's 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 written by Jeff Lemire. Um, the art initially was by Kim Jacinto, and then um, it was uh, he does like the first issue and a half, and then I think they pulled him to do the uh, uh, another project. But but then Josh Joshua Casara, who is awesome in his own right, and I wasn't familiar with him before this book, but wow, he was he really impressed me. He does the last three and a half issues. Um, so Lemire, writer, Kassara, Pencils, and Inks, uh, and then, um, uh, Rain Barreto is the, uh, colorist, but, but just to, just to step back to remind people, this is basically, um, you know, the century, the last time we saw the century in any, with any great import, he was a mockery. Um, he was like the nuclear man or Superman created by Bendis. Everybody kind of hated him. He was like psycho Superman. Um, but in this series, the Sentry has essentially been able to live a normal life because Bob, the 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 Sentry with you know the human version of him, was provided um, a essentially a, a bit of technology by some of the Marvel super brains to allow him to keep both the Sentry and the Void, who is the evil half of that super persona, in this. Um, like an alternate dimension and essentially it allowed him to go into that dimension and do things, but keep them away from our dimension. So he could live a normal life here. But 
his sidekick from his prior life as a hero, uh, apparently, now that he's gotten older, is mad jealous and uh, partners up with this dude named Cranio to machinate to try and steal the sentry powers from Bob. And throughout the book, this arc, we, we see that happen. And meanwhile, the Sentry, for those that don't know or didn't read him in his prior incarnations, he's basically Superman. So he, he's, he's essentially, when he's, when he's in that persona, is unstoppable. And when he becomes the Void, who's pure evil, he's like, imagine if, if Superman was pure evil. And as a result, they, the other heroes of the Marvel Universe, understandably have Bob on high, high watch kind of similar to how they do with, with the Hulk. It's like they, they are not trying to have him render his powers on this earthly plane. So uh, yada, 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 we get to the point where at the end of issue four, through lots of back and forth, Bob decides to, well, doesn't decide, he, he through a series of events, the Void and the Sentry merge back into one persona. So Bob is now, rather than the yellow and blue or the gold and blue costume. He's in a black and red maroon costume. And he's basically brought those two, the, the good and the bad, the yin and the yang together into one earthly persona. And issue five wraps up the arc where uh, two things are going on. One, the sidekick who's still imbued with some of the power uh, isn't ready to give it up. And in essence, Bob beats him to a pulp and kills him, snaps his neck. And then the Avengers show up because they've, they're not trying to have him loose. And what's totally badass about the way Jeff finishes this up is he basically, they all get there. They've got the, the, they've got all the big hitters cap and Iron Man and you know, all like all the, all the Thor, all the top dogs. And he basically calls their bluff because they're like, you got to come with us. You know, we got to like contain you. And he said, uh, you're not going to contain me. I, this is who I am now. I'm neither, Good nor bad. I'm 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 one being. This is what I was always meant to be. And you're not gonna. I'm not coming with you. And you're not gonna stop me. And they're like, we're gonna stop you. And he's like, you're not gonna stop me. You can't stop me. And 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 Cap's like, well, are you telling me we're just supposed to trust that you're gonna just just act? You know, act accordingly. That you're gonna act. You're gonna make smart decisions. And he says, I, I'm. I don't care if you trust me or not. And then he just flies off and that's it. Like basically like, so this, this new version of the century, this fully formed persona, no longer a cracked personality is on in the six one six universe and he's loose and he called their bluff and he was right. There was nothing they could do. They just let him go. Damn. So I don't know, you know, Jeff isn't doing work at Marvel at, at present, nor is there anything planned. Um, I have no idea if this is just going to be one of those interesting little stories that sits dormant and, and never gets revisited or or if this is part of some some planned use of this character by another writer in another form. I, I don't know any of that. But if it's just a standalone story about this character, I think Jeff put him in a much cooler place and a more enticing place than he was left the last time we saw him. So it was pretty fun. You know, it's like just a nice little one and done. Make a great trade. Uh, I may, I may order the trade just to maybe give away in one of our care packages because nice. it's standalone. You don't need to have read any of the prior stuff. You don't. And again, it just leaves it. It, it's, it, it just leaves you there. So 
So there's there's no big cliffhanger that that you, you're going to have to pick up more issues to find out what happens. So really well executed. I ordered the trade. Oh, nice. I did when it was originally solicited. Oh, sweet. Yep. Uh, just quickly, I, I won't spend a lot of time, but I just wanted to mention that also this month, uh, issue number five, which completes that miniseries, Life of Captain Marvel. Um, I talked a bit about that after the first two issues. Uh, it's a very personal Carol Danvers mini. Uh, no doubt inspired by the fact that the movie's coming out, I'm sure. But can I spoil this for you guys? Is that Do you mind? Do I? Oh, okay. I, I don't care at all. I thought not. Um, the big conceit of this book is that for those that know the character uh, forever – her origin was that she was imbued with um, with energies through a happenstance around the Kree and, and became imbued with powers evocative of a Kree super soldier. Well, in this mini, we find out that that's not true. So it's a bit of a retcon. She was, in fact, half Kree. Her mom is Kree. Her mom came to the Earth as a spy, fell in love with an Earthman, and decided to stay on earth and uh yeah exactly and carol is so she's half kree and that's why when she was exposed to the energy she was able to not only not die but but uh it it snapped her powers into effect and in this series she finds all this out because the uh the the kree have sent well all over the universe there are or have been for many decades uh, Cree hunter killers that have been looking for her because uh, her mom was a, was a captain of high regard and she basically goes AWOL. And so they've been looking for her to av- avenge that, that AWOL forever. And one finally finds her because she activates act- when, when she's unveiling to when her mom is letting Carol know the real deal, uh, basically a signal is activated and this hunter killer comes to earth to kill the mom. And so the mom and Carol have to fight this hunter killer and, um, Things don't go so well, let's just say. But uh, but yeah, so so the bottom line is this book was basically a five-issue series to retcon her her backstory to make her part Kree. Hmm. So I don't know if that's what they're doing in the movie. I don't know if this was just an idea that Kelly Thompson had or Marvel Editorial had. I'm not sure. But it was, it was well done. Um, I like the character a lot, so um, I enjoyed it for what it was. Again, you take her to leave it. You don't really need to have ever... It's it's another one of those arcs that you can just read it to enjoy it, but it's not like you have to have read it or it's not going to change your life if you don't read it. But but I enjoyed it. That was well done. I know the specifics aren't there, but the whole thing sounds a lot like she's the female Star Lord to me. With the whole alien parent and then the 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 Forces coming to right, hunt her down. Is, yeah. He's like Jason yeah. of Spartak hunting down his his. It's just it sounds just like Star Lord to me. Which the MCR already already did because ego yeah. came to Earth yeah. and right. And yeah, so it's it's so if that's yeah, I'm based not, on the yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no I, just based on a little bit of the trailer I saw, it it looks as though um, that I guess yeah. I I was because I know very little about. Carol Danvers post binary. I, I, I've read very little okay. Captain Marvel in, in recent years. Um, I just know, you know, she's BFS with Spider Woman and uh, she's an Avenger, obviously, and leading Alpha Flight up in space. But right. um, 
the way it looked as the trailers go for for the upcoming movie, I, I thought maybe she had um, like almost like memory implants because she, she wasn't sure if she her memories of being a little girl on Earth were. So I, I was looking forward to seeing how the movie was gonna gonna tell this story, um, and I'm looking forward to to it being a a period piece from um, from the late eighties, early nineties. And, and, um, but yeah, I, I, so I was hoping that it would give me something to, to maybe care about with the character. Um, I didn't know that it was a character as far as the comics go, that it was one that was, um, yearning for, for a retcon. Well, let me be clear. I, I don't, I don't think the retcon was necessary. Like, like I don't, I didn't read this and think, Oh wow, that makes her, that that solves some great mystery or that ties up some loose end or that that's so much cooler. I, I don't think any of that. Like, I think this is superfluous in the sense that I don't know that saying she's half Cree does anything to strengthen her character or raise the importance of her character. Right. But such is whatever decision it was to make this series. At least I think the series was uh, executed. And I'm sorry, I said Kelly Thompson that Kelly's writing the, uh, the upcoming Captain Marvel series. It's uh, it's written by Margaret Stoll. Um, with uh, Pacheco, it's Pacheco on art for the most part, and then there are flashbacks uh, drawn by Marguerite Savage. So, Ooh, yeah, nice. No, it looks great. It looks great. Um, so, like I said, I enjoyed it. It's, it's, it's. It, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's one of those series that just, uh, you know, definitely would would be it'd be fair to call it superfluous because it's, you know, you know, if you're even if you're a big continuity wonk, you're not going to, you're not going to be lost for not having read it, but. But uh, but I thought at least I can say it was well executed. Well, you got to admit though, the lifetime of Carol Danvers in the Marvel Universe is pretty damn convoluted. A hundred percent. Yeah, right? she's, yeah, she's more like yeah. the female Hawkman than anything else. Yeah, sure. With the absolutely. whole rogue thing, and then the binary. I mean, it's like she's all over the place. But I will say that making her part Cree does link her closer to the OG Captain Marvel, right? So I mean, that's. I guess that's something, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, and, and let's be honest. I mean, probably the most infamous thing about her character is that she was raped, and and she was raped, and it at the time they depicted her as enjoying the experience. So I mean, that's been retconned out too, for what it's worth. Yeah, but, thankfully. Yeah, I know. I'm saying, but so this character has been taken to the woodshed, right? Yeah. Speaking of Captain Marvel, mm. as in I dropped my damn busted ass pager because I'm trying to contact somebody uh, before I die, I finally saw Infinity War. Look at you. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is, right? Yeah. Um, Good on you, man. They, they, I think they had a monumental task. Uh, the giant mountain to climb featuring all these Marvel heroes, but they, uh -huh. the movie is wall to wall action. I mean, there's really no dead spots in the entire movie. It's just bang, 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 well, just bang, bang. Yeah. Well, just yeah. You didn't make it out of it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> no, well, see, this is, I've, the movie ended and, um, the person I saw it with, I will just say she was not very happy. <laughs> um, Why? And, Jeez, I wonder who that would be. 
it's because it's you after I explained to her that, you know, you kind of just, Bastano's a story. So this is, you know, it, as far as it, it's concerned for him, you know, the story had an ending. Um, it didn't end the way you wanted it to, but then, you know, so many things in life don't go that way. But um, it's it's very much like when my when my father-in-law, he was over at the house once and, and um, we were watching... We were doing something, and and he so he he sat down and he was watching the, the like the last half hour, forty five minutes of um, the Fellowship of the Ring, and when Frodo and Sam are in the canoe heading down the water, and and the rest of the the party are all in separate ways, and in the credits roll, my man turns around to me, he looks at me, he's like, "What's wait? Where's the?" And I'm like, "No, he." It, 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 the idea was now you had to wait for the next chapter, but there are people and who do who when they go to see a movie they they want to see, um, they want to see a, a complete story. And for many people, and people I work with, um, they weren't happy with how the movie ended because it 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 didn't end in a happy place, and and they don't like to see their heroes not be the villain no matter how many hours you already sat in the theater um some people just didn't appreciate the storytelling aspect of it uh well so, it, it may just be us being on the fandom side of the equation but, but we know exactly right the movie exactly was what's happening no the movie was promoted as being part one of two since day one well a while ago but it it didn't since once once they once it was pretty much in post production, and we knew, yes, we, we we did know that it was it was going to be you know Avengers. I think it was Infinity War Part One and Part Two, or but yes, we knew it was going to be a two parter. But um, they kind of shifted and and didn't do the whole parts for it, and and which is why the the fourth movie is going to have a, a, a different subtitle, but. The, you know, we, and you also have the the people who may not be familiar with the comic book story, but because they watch you know, Access Hollywood and 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 read the Yahoo movie sites, they know that you know there's still there's another Spider-Man movie coming out. There's going to be, um, you know they're, they're probably going to want to make another. I mean, we know now they are, but they, they were probably going to want to make another Black Panther movie. You know, how are you going to kill these characters? That how are you going to write these characters off when you know that they have other movies coming out? And I'm like, it doesn't mean the Spider-Man movie is going to take place after Infinity War. It could be taking place, you know, right after Homecoming. They, they, they can definitely fool around with things, but yeah, there there were people who just weren't keen on how the movie ended. I think. It's going to dovetail with Starlin's inf- Infinity War, um, Gauntlet. I think Gamora is going to not Gamora. Sorry, Nebula is going to going to get the Gauntlet, and because they wouldn't have spent so much time on her torture if they weren't going to play that out somewhere down the line. It would have been an offhand thing, but they. I mean, they spent a lot of time watching her being pulled apart, and I mean, not it wasn't like 10 minutes but i mean it was a significant chunk of of that one little section of the movie i think she's going to get the gauntlet and she's going to reverse everything 
Someone's going to get the gauntlet and reverse it. Maybe, you know, but I'm thinking it's neb- it's Nebula. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I mean otherwise, wow. It was it was great. I'm glad you saw it. Yeah, it was yeah, great. There you go. It pulled at the heartstrings. Mr. Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. I was like, Uh oh, are you shitting me? I mean, I I knew that happened, but just to see it play out was was tough. Yeah, because you don't expect certain characters to to maybe bite it. And it's not like all the Guardians of the Galaxy were in Infinity Gauntlet in the comic book story. So, um, well, there's only one Guardian left at the end of this. Right. Yeah. Yep. And but um, it, it's it's neat that they're keeping the core Avengers for the sequel. And that was the other thing that that people were worried. You know, if 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 it was like if Chris Evans is if his contract is up, that they just everybody kind of assumed that he wasn't going to make it out of the movie. And um, I appreciate. Well, well listen, that, I I assume most of these guys die in the, the next one. In the next one, yeah, whether they they die or walk away or, or yeah, I, I mean, I just think that since they're walking away for sure, you might as well have years. someone die. Right? Who's, who's walking away? Uh, Evans and Evans, Stark, Downey Junior. Downey, yeah. Uh, well, not necessarily walking away, but they're just but but their contracts are up. They've 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 yeah. done. I mean, Downey's been doing this for ten years now, eleven. So <laughs> well, Evans is definitely walking away. He said he's going to try. He wants to direct, and he's he's yeah. not. Uh, Downey, I think. Hasn't specifically said he. he but I, I think can he's, see Downey he's, doing he like cameos. cameos and stuff. Right. But, yeah, but Evans is done. He's he's not going to be Cap anymore. There is one uh, theory. Um, a, a lot of people say that. Uh, although again, this isn't official, but they say that uh, Hawkeye that he's done too. He has a, well, is 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 Hawkeye done or is Renner done? No, I mean Renner. They, a lot of people said Renner's done with. The, he's he's had. He's, I thought he was done too. after but, Age uh, of Ultron. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Back. He's Ronan in the next one. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Call me uh, materialistic, but if somebody was throwing millions of dollars at me, I'd play Captain America till the end of friggin' time. You know, I, I, these guys, they get tired of it, but Evans was an actor before. Uh-huh. These obviously before these movies, but he, I mean, it's a fact. He had, his career was jettisoned to the, you know, of course. through these things. So why not keep doing it? Oh, because, because they're creative people. I mean, you're you're an artist. I mean, they they, they aren't they aren't automatons. They they don't want to. He doesn't want to spend the rest of his life playing one character. He nah. wants to play other characters. I hit it big, and, drawn Snappy the Magic Turtle. I would draw friggin' Snappy the Magic Turtle for the rest of my life. I know you say that, but I don't know, man. But if, you had, this, if you had time to draw the things, maybe. This is <laughs> this is true. <laughs> but, but, it, it's it's. You can't like, the. He's not getting any younger. If the stories are all supposed to span over a handful of years, but it takes a few years between each movie. You know, you can't. You can only. It's like you know, Luke Perry can't be a high school student for eight fucking years. True, and characters do. Archie's dad, though. Right, <laughs> Archie's dad. Characters do age. Yeah, or, or people do age, and character right. and the the characters they portray age, and there are ways around that. Right, I'm not saying CGI Chris Evans, but play it out in the story. Like, okay, yeah, Chris Evans is old, and he doesn't, you know, he can't physically do the and role. Can do the Rick Remender uh, Captain Dimensions E story, or yeah, why not? 
Why not? But uh, you know, I'm just a I'm just a fan, and I don't know really what it entails to make these movies. So it it probably mm-hmm. is a shit ton of work, and it's it's hard. And you sure. know, I I understand they don't want to do it forever, but the the fan in me says, you know, you oh absolutely, it, yeah. you're you're living like I'm freaking selfish. you're living like a king, man. Off the from these movies, like whatever. Okay. Um, also speaking of the Infinity Stones. Did did any of you read um, Infinity? Um, Infinity, I think it's called. It's called oh, Infinity. In- Infinity. Yeah, Infinity Wars. Infinity. I did not. Ah, oh, it's just a mess, dude. It's, oh, it, okay it's then. Just a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you you know the whole the Infinity uh, Wars premise that Gamora folds the universe in on itself, and that's how you got all these amalgamations of marvel characters cap was like the sorcerer supreme and blah 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 and the the story plays out and the infinity stones are are there's a character that allows the stones to go where they will under their own power like they they separate and they go to different locations but it's it's not so much this book that got me it's where this book is going the story's continued in a book called wolverine infinity watch at the last page of this thing wolverine is on odin's rams he's riding in a chariot propelled by odin's uh, tooth gnasher and teeth grind it it's it's ludicrous like why do you got to bring wolverine into everything it's 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 silly when I think cosmic, I don't think Wolverine. Am I wrong? Did well, don't the, the um what the hell was that? That Marvel point when when he came back in in the um when they had the the little anthology of all the different starting points post Secret Wars, um, and there was I think the I think it was Creep, but there was there was a dude who who got hit by uh by a rig that Logan was driving and it's then and that was the whole point those those post letters page one page stories at the end of various marvel comics were in the world is wolverine mm-hmm. that was all leading up for him to i think assemble uh an infinity watch and so <laughs> it, it it's been leading up to it but it's i didn't know that if you're going for an off the wall left field surprising ending this is a pretty good way to do it. I mean, no one expected Wolverine to be riding a chariot infused with the power. I mean, it looks like he has the Phoenix Force. It looks like the Phoenix is 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 he's he's the host now for the Phoenix. Is that true? That's what I it looks know. like to me. I mean, not not in any current existing continuity, but huh. It's just strange. It's and, and I mean, they, maybe like I, they, the new Wolverine coming back from the dead. He's got that heating. He's all he like his. He gets hot. Is that why he's hot? Uh, he's on fire, hey. and his eyes are. He's got a, an inner glow, and he's got this fire shit coming out of his eyes, and he's enveloped in flame. And it looks to me like the Phoenix Force. I, there's no bird. There's no Phoenix head, but it just looks like that's what it could be. And um, Bagley drew it. And I've I've parted ways with Bagley. The guy used to 
light my world on fire back in the right. Ultimate Spider-Man days. This right. vaguely is not. Mm-mm. No, I, I, I've, I've lost the taste for for Mark Bagley. Sorry, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just strange. It just this whole issue just struck me as being strange because it starts off, it starts off with Adam Warlock, and then it ends with freaking Wolverine. I just I don't get it. I don't. That's a little one-two punch. It, yeah, not in a not in a good way either. Right to the nuts. Yeah, I like being surprised, but not like what. This could have been an issue of what the, because that's what I said at the end. Your man, baby. What the hell is going on? Mm. David. Vince. Dance. Dance, <laughs> <free> monkey. <laughs> um, so Vince had um, hooked me up um, a while ago uh, when we were, right before we talked about Uzumaki. Um, And so I decided to read another book by John G. Ito. This is John G. Ito's Cat Diary, Yan and Moo. Wow. Let it the record state that David has read a Junji Ito book before me. How about that? Yeah. You know, it's a hard sell. Cat Diary. I bet. I bet. But it's, well, it's, it's like if. I guess if you're in the mood for, you know, that 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 David Chelsea and love type stuff or you just want it really is um slightly exaggerated stories of of uh Ito living with his wife's cat and then the other cat that they adopted. It's um Moo is his uh his wife's cat. They have a brand new house. Um they, they they bought a new home, brand new house, fresh white wallpaper, sparkling clean floors. Um, and I guess you can't take the horror out of the horror artist because he draws he draws his wife uh, with no pupils <laughs> for the most part. For the most part, and, and, and there's a, there's a little Q and A throughout sprinkled throughout the chapters. And and one of the questions was, you know, how did your wife feel about the way she's been presented? And um, like, well, she wears her hair differently. She's not a fan of having no pupils. And as far as she knows, there are no striped pants in, in her wardrobe. So I don't know where I started drawing that from. But um, so uh, Jacon is what she calls him and Aiko is what he calls her. Uh, so she says, you know, I'm going to um, I'm going to bring my cat. Um, Jan from my parents' house and Jan's going to live here with us. And, and, um, <laughs> Jacob wasn't too, Jacob wasn't, wasn't thrilled about this. Cause you know, the cat's going to mess up the new home. And, um, now, 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 now that place has to kind of be cat proof. Then he was concerned. Um, the cat has a cursed face, but, the cat doesn't. It was just his his, his projecting. Um, but yes, as as their days continue, um, and Aiko wants to adopt another cat, um, Moo, because Jan's going to be lonely all by himself. Um, so they drive and and like he's he's he 
doing the whole manga sweat, driving to to Osu to pick up this cat and and bring it home. And and so so she's playing with the cat toys and Junji is all he's jealous. So he grabs the cat toy and he tries to play with it. And it's just so it's it. There's also part of it where if you aren't a cat person or if you were forced into being a cat person, there there, there are actions and 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 scenes play out the way they they kind of would in real life. But he also you know when 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 Junji is infatuated with the cat and it's like his his mouth turns all grotesque as if you know he wants to swallow the cat whole. So that's where again the horror artist comes into play. Um but it is it's it's the the tell story about um when Jan escapes from the house and, and hides and um his wife is all distraught and uh when they go and, and um and get moved neutered it it's it, so it's it's yes if it's not um you know if, if you read Uzumaki then you got no I don't think this is going to scratch an itch for certain people um but if if you're a completist and you're looking for something if if you want to get everything that that a certain artist has done this is one of those books where it's like yeah you know I have it in my library but you know I never really read it I can see that happening um I just I, I still think uh, Ito's a phenomenal draftsman. I I, I love mm-hmm. love the way everything looks. Um, the, the stories between um, again with the horror aspect, he he has a dream about uh, you know his wife turning into a cat, and and um, anytime he's he he was done drawing and his, his eyes are playing tricks on him. Um, get a boys, they have the uh, He's walking down the hallway and he thinks he sees a slug, but it's really just the way the cat's laying. Um, he thinks he sees somebody sitting in front of the TV, uh, like some old little bald man. But no, again, it's just the cat, the way it's perched. Um, but yeah, I, I thought I, I thought it, it's not it's not a long book. It's it's uh, it's about 120 odd pages is a handful of chapters. But um, and it is a little photo gallery. But no, I, I thought it was pretty cool. It was a, um, it's, I, I definitely get, I can see that this would be the same artist, the same creator who, who gave us Uzumaki. It's not like I couldn't believe the person who did that could also, you know, have these cats in his home and telling these little loving stories about he and his wife. But um, I, I just thought it was, it, it was a pretty cute book. So I, I do appreciate you. Um, Nice. You're setting it my way, so yeah. Well, I didn't say as much, but there's a cat story at the end of uh, Frankenstein. Oh, okay. Because it is, uh, other than the Frankenstein proper, his adaptation of it, it, the book is an anthology. And there's, other than the, the interconnected stories I talked about when I went both times about Junji Ito's Frankenstein, there's a cat story at the end that tells how one of those cats in um, Yan and Mu actually dies. I don't know if he goes into it in the book, but one of in the book that you read, the cat diary. But one of the cats dies, and they he goes through you know the whole thing. No, this was um, there was no um, there. There were health scares 
but at the end of this, um, anyway, that's Jan and Moo. They'll continue to be the best of friends. Uh, the end. So this, I, I don't go. know when this was. This is what this was. Um, probably this was the early two thousands or so. Yeah. Oh no, I, no, 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 two thousand nine. And I don't have the book with me here. So I can't tell you which one it was, if it was, in fact, one of those cats, but the family's cat. And he says specifically in the story that it was his cat or the family's cat passes away. And they do this ritual in the, when they bury it. And it's, Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Yes. Okay. You know what? There is. There's, there's, I, I missed the, the bonus manga. Jan went to heaven. There you go. So maybe they just duplicated it for that book too, or if it's a different interpretation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Looks crude. So there you go. Wow, mm. cool beans. Look at that. Yeah, oh, Ito's phenomenal. Damn. His, that his... All, that's putting in art bids. He's he's reading <laughs> Shinji Ito ahead of Vince. Like, what is going on? Talk about New Year's resolutions. Black is white. Yeah. Cats right. and dogs being together. Vince, I read something that I don't think you've read because I think you would have talked about it had you, but I need you to read it because okay. I think it would be far more viscerally impactful to you. And I'm not sure whether you would like it or, or hate it, actually, but but I do think being the artist and, and feeling so strongly about art being everything, it is. Uh, you would appreciate this book. Have you heard of, at least, uh, Eleanor Davis's Why Art? No. Wow. Where'd you, okay. where'd you get this? this? Where'd you get it? Well, uh, it's by Fanographics. Mm, that could explain a lot right there. Because you avoid the Fanographics? Uh, as of late, yes. Yeah. Um, honestly, as I mentioned, I, I, I when we're getting toward the year, end of the year, I always check out uh, different best of lists and stuff like that just to see, uh, even for us, things fall through the cracks, particularly on the... Uh, the indie graphic novel side and I just keep a little running list and then go in and uh, you know, just, just pick up some things. And this was on a bunch of lists. So I picked it up and it is, uh, it's, I mean, God, I, I probably can't do it justice not being an artist. Although certainly I think you can't be the comics nut that we are without being an art fan, but um, Eleanor Davis, I guess by background, she is an artist, but she's also an art critic or, or and, uh, like an art, like an, an um, I, I'm trying, I don't know the term. Like she's, she's, uh, she has written a lot of academic works about art and its importance. Mm-hmm. So like, a almost like an art, I don't know if is it would be art historian. I, I don't know if like, I don't, I don't know what the term is, but, but she has been more of an academic as much as a creator herself about art. She's written a lot of essays about the importance of art, in particular comic art, over the years in Drawn and Quarterly and a couple other places. And um, to frame the book, uh, she has this to say about comics. And I'm going to see if this hits you in either either way. Maybe you think it's poppycock or, or it resonates with you. Um, she says, loving a book containing prose is like loving a cup filled with a wonderful drink. The cup and drink are only connected by circumstance. Loving a comic book is different. The content and the form of a comic are connected inextricably. The little autonomous drawings are held tightly in the pages of the book the comic is printed in, and they cannot get away. When you hold the comic book, you hold those worlds. They are yours. Anything? Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I, I agree with that. 
Okay. So the this is a, a graphic novel that is it, it is uh, it's wildly Spartan in its rendering. Um, when I read when I saw this book making all these best of lists, and then I saw what it was about, I thought, oh wow, this is this is going to be. I expect it to be a kind of a, a an arresting visual tour de force. It, it's actually very um, reserved in that it's fairly. I mean, there's a lot of white space on the pages. In most of the most of the book, although not all of it, there's very simple, um, uh, single width like like linear width line like symmetrically width line work. Um, uh, the the characters are are pretty simply rendered, uh, not hyper detailed. But basically, she the book title kind of gives away why art. She she takes you on a journey about art. Starts by in the first part of the book defining art in somewhat. She starts by defining it in the most simplistic terms. And in kind of funny ways, like she talks about art can be big or small, art can be different colors, art can be black and white, like kind of, you know, by intention, taking rudimentary. And then she goes from there. Uh, and then the book evolves into a bit of a, a semi-autobiographical narrative where this all-encompassing artist that's got control of the book is manipulating the world and manipulating uh, all different aspects of the visual world. Um, and she's trying to basically answer why do people dedicate their lives to art? Uh, what makes us seek it out? Why do we appreciate it? How and why does it make us feel? Why do we need art in our lives? And it's just this fascinating journey where she just goes, like I said, from this very simple concept. Like, and it and it's just like one of the the things that first struck me is when she's doing the initial pages. It reads almost like a children's book, right? Like sounds like, like it. Yeah. Yeah. Then she like three or four pages in, she's got just a drawing of like a book and a vase and a pyramid that says orange artworks. And then the next page is like pebbles and a pail and a frame that says blue ones, but they're just black and white drawings, right? So like it's it just kind of plays with your mind. You're like, wait, what the fuck's going on here, right? You know? But then the next page is is a guy, like a human a dude drawn in blue. And then it just says hearing the note makes you turn different colors and then as a woman in orange and then um, and then it's just but but with but the book progresses and it gets more and more about the power of art to play with your mind from the beginnings, which is just kind of like the simple, almost like textual look at what art can like can be on the surface. And she does things like she'll like probably one of the the most interesting is there's a two page spread that's just all black, you know, and it says many people try hard not to look at this sort of artwork. Um, just and, and like just kind of leaves it like that. Like, well, what does that mean? What is she saying? And then you, you go on to realize she's talking about how um, people tend to a lot of people tend to not like or walk away from art that reminds them of disturbing things. Uh, but they're drawn to very basic, um, non-threatening art art that 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 is aesthetically simplistic but just pleases you right so um so she you know she kind of challenges some of the assertions too i think of the way people appreciate art um she she goes and like there's things about like the challenge artists have as they get well known in terms of their ability to to change like there's a two-page spread where it says in little font audiences respond strongly to this new artwork and there's a guy and he's like sweaty and he's all excited. And he's talking to a female artist and he's like, wow, cool. That was amazing. And she says, thank you. And then the next page is, he says, I like that other thing you did better though. 
And then she's just like, yeah, I don't do that anymore. Like, you know, like it just like, but there's all these kinds of things. And then it's kind of three acts. And then the third act is more of a narrative where essentially we see the end of days and she draws essentially the end of the world through a great flood. But you see this giant hand come down and pick up some of the pieces, some of the people, some of the artists we've met through the book. And, and she puts them into kind of like a dollhouse scenario and draws in furniture and other things. And then they come back alive as though she had the power to sort of give them new life. So it's just, it's just a, I mean, listen, it kind of defies explanation, right? It's just her attempt at getting us to think about all the different things that art is and can be and mean, and what it means to some people is not at all what it means to others. And she's not really putting a value judgment on it. Like she's not saying like art is only like only this kind of art is important or we shouldn't really care about this kind of art. She's, she's just kind of putting it all out there and saying like, listen, art is many, many things. And what, what drives me to be an artist or what drives someone else and what you may appreciate is all different, but it's not, she doesn't necessarily ever tell you like the way you look at art or the way you view yourself as bad or good. It just is right. Like, so it's, 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 it's neat, man. It's, it's, it's definitely thought provoking and powerful. Um, it, it doesn't, it's it's not a narrative. I mean, it's it's not a graphic novel. You're not reading it, and there's no story. It's 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 really just her. I think spewing out a lot of different ideas she's had over the years about what what art is and why why we care about it. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's powerful stuff. I was I was I was moved by it, and and not you know I'm not an artist, but I'm, I'm I love art. So I was just I am curious to hear from you or anyone else that's listening that that is an artist if what if if they resonated with it even you know more or less depending I, I don't i don't know how it how it hit i mean it's it's getting a lot of love from the art community but but your mileage may vary i don't know all right i'm gonna have to read this because it sounds interesting yeah but, but i think it's uh attempting to define what art is and how it works that's uh it's a futile task i mean you're you're never really gonna def one person could define art through their lens but that doesn't mean person number two is going to define it the same way so to try and nail it down into one thing to say this is art that's ridiculous but that's right? what i'm saying she's not doing that right like right that's what i'm saying all, yeah when you said she didn't that seems like a smart approach to me in order you know like what is music right how are you going to do that how are you going to define that um there are very different types of music and they all resonate with different types of people and none of it's the same right but what what mm -hmm. you said about the novel and 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 the graphic novel how they're different mm -hmm. i think about that a lot okay and it's just to me anyway the writer depending on the writer's ability and his his potency and the the, the way they choose their words and put them together what they're doing is they're triggering something within your mind the reader's mind mm -hmm. right so the reader is in fact the illustrator right. every every book you read every novel you read you are in fact an illustrator because you're, you're you're conjuring these well the writer is prompting you to conjure these mental images and so you are in in a sense drawing in your brain Illustrating in your mm -hmm, brain mm -hmm. what the narrator, the narr, yeah, the narrator, the narrator, or the the writer is—he's pushing buttons and he's generating, helping you to generate these images. Where in the graphic novel, 
the middleman is gone. The images are the images. Right. So you interpret them as you see fit. And yeah. I think it's it's like it it's the difference between snorting a drug and mainlining it. Like shooting it in your veins. Like one one is is there's there are a lot of stumbling blocks, but maybe you're not an imaginative person. Right? Maybe you're 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 a very basic thinker or or you know you, you're not prone to flights of fancy and right, you do right. so the novel may not impact you the same way but in a graphic mm-hmm. novel there's only one way to to see that and that's what's on the page so i think it's a more pure form of storytelling as opposed to words right you know there's yeah there's yeah. no there's no wiggle room in a graphic novel yeah and like i i don't want to i do since she is Spent has since she has spent much of her life discussing the importance of art and different types of art. Like I don't think there aren't subtle value judgments at certain parts of the book, but I don't think she tries to make some grand sweeping declaration about what is art. Like like there are little things where right before she shows you the the black panels and you know talks about how people don't like to look at at certain types of uh, art that are emotionally disturbing, she shows what would considered conventionally beautiful art or, or beautiful fabrics and furniture. And she calls them beautiful, empty containers to put things in Mm -hmm. or beautiful fabrics to drape over ugly things, you know? So like she is saying that some art is just vapid, like just there to catch your eye or to disguise something or ornamentation. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. That's the perfect word. Does she make a value judgment on that saying like, that's good or bad, or does she keep it no, in, that's in the, the zone? She saying uses she... the term "beautiful empty container," so she's not saying like this is useless. I mean, you, one could suggest it by saying something is basically just empty, that there's not as much value in it. But she doesn't say that. I'm drawing. I'm drawing that conclusion from right. the way I read it. But I mean, you it, know, you're, so. it sounds very plausible that she that's... calls the stuff like I think she calls it uh, concealment artwork is what she calls that stuff. Hmm. So. You know, like I said, like it's just interesting. I mean, there are probably going to be things that 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 you that you if you read this riff on and say, yeah, she's I'm with her there, and other stuff where you might be like, oh, I don't know about that. Um, again, I, I it, it's it's one of those books that I can't. You know, I, it's like a book she made because she wanted to make it, and fanographic said, well, yeah, there's nothing wrong you know with I mean? that. But like, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's not like there was no there was no. Uh, uh, focus group that said, "Oh, we we should make a, a book about <laughs> right, right. Why comic art exists? You no, know, why it, art exists?" But. It certainly sounds intriguing, and and I, I would love to read it. But it's just in my mind, just goes in different spaces. Like, when does she? And I think you you mentioned this. Does she broach the subject of of critics in this book, and the interpretation of critics uh, about art? Uh, I mean, I don't. I can't say that I remember her devoting like a specific, like by mention, but I, I think she spends a lot of time both overtly and, and, and covertly talking about that. So much of art is subject to the interpreter and what you see may not be what another person sees. But again, she doesn't necessarily say that's wrong. Right. Vis-a-vis. I mean, she talks about the interpreter, so you can just explain, extrapolate vis-a-vis the interpreter 
is a one-on-one, but then when you get the critic, that's another interpreter. So it could be used to define, you know, that type of art criticism. And I just, the the whole notion of the critic, and we're guilty of being that. I mean, that's what we do, right? Every, Every... um, hopefully every day on this show is, is we, we talk about comics, right? Which, which are art. But I think the the critic is entirely unnecessary. Like we do this because we love the art form and we want to get other people involved in the art form or excited about the art form. But really the critic is just, it's a middleman and we know how useful middlemen are, right? Yeah. I mean, I should say that, that relative to this discussion of critics in the third act, which becomes again, more of a narrative, a group of artists that she introduces us to in Ohatmu style are preparing for a gallery show. And that's when the end days come like that. The invisible hand destroys the world as the gallery show is getting underway. (laughs) Uh, So, so so, I mean, in a way, again, she does deal with the idea of art as presentation and art to be judged and sold. And, uh, but, but not like in a critics are bad, or I think this about critics more like just as, it's all very subtle, you know. I don't know, like it's all very subtle. It's it's the kind of thing where where just she does leave a lot of uh, both visually and textually to to interpretation, which is is pretty neat. It's powerful. She 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 does just she she this book. It's if if you read it and it doesn't make you think, then it's it's a failure. And I think that's it does in fact leave you just to think and debate what even she's trying to say. So I, I think that's where it succeeds. Is she she's not. You know, one of my least favorite things, I do watch a lot of documentaries, like movies, and I I find a lot of them frustrating because they're so pointed, you know? Like, they're, they're not a documentary of, let me present to you the findings. Like, I went on this journey to learn more about this subject, and here's what I found. It's, let me tell you what I think based on the footage that I could find to show you that I'm right. You know what I mean? Whereas this was much more like, I'm going to pursue this idea. I don't really have necessarily strong feelings about a lot of it myself and uh, we'll take this journey together and we may ultimately come to different conclusions. So it's neat. It just reminded me of you and all my other artist friends that just, I was like, Oh, this I'd be interested to see what you guys would, you know, especially like you teach art, like what, like how this would resonate with you as someone who tries to teach art and the concepts of being an artist and, you know, so Fanta, though you're gonna have to you have to give up your Fanta hiatus if you're gonna read it. Yeah, well, it sounds like a worthy cause. Unless he cool. borrows yours, then you just have to buy it. Nah, nah. I'm not yeah, I, I actually bought it off Comicsology, so I, we can next time we're together, you can read it. Cool. So cool. it was a one. Comicsology was having one of those dumb, stupid, dumb sales, so I bought this. That's yeah, yeah. I think about art far too much. And how, as how to does, how, as, does, as does your daughter? Yeah, just how to yeah, it's true. How to put into words to to take something that was never meant for words and to translate mm-hmm. it into those little letters that we bump against each other and 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 make sentences and just try to communicate feelings based on a, a flat image and it's just it, it, words fail every freaking time, right? It's it's ironic it, considering what we do every week. It's true. It's true, but I, I I think they can glean our feelings in the spaces between the words. Again, we're we're doing the same thing that the the writer does on the page. I mean, we're just triggering mental images in these people or, or or concepts, and it's just it's so hard to do, so difficult to do. Well, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but I think one of the common complaints you hear from 
from comic book artists is that their issue with reviews is that the art is always a secondary or tertiary component. It's crazy. And it's much more based on the two criteria of I like this specific visual drawing style. Yes. Or I liked the plot of the book a lot. And so that art was dope. And I think we've probably even talked about this in the show before. I get why most critics just leave it at that. Because if you're not an artist, it is hella difficult to feel like you're qualified to discuss the the uh, craft of art effectively. I disagree. No, no. I, we've had the same conversation. But what I'm saying is, is that I think it is incumbent upon you if you want to do this for any kind of length of time or for a living, quote unquote, or at least for a super hobby like us, you have to try. You do. You have to try. You do. Because I do, I do think it is silly to just be like, oh, I love that artist because their drawing style is dope. Right. Like you could say that. Like that's t- it's totally fine to have a, a visceral, purely surface level appeal aesthetically. I mean, that's one of the things about visuals is like, but but it's got to go beyond that if you're going to critique it. Right. Uh, on the one hand, it's easy to do. Right. If if you're reading a story about Spider-Man fighting Doc Ock and he Spider-Man rips the tentacles from Doc Ock's side and the colorist used a particularly like a different texture to to illustrate the the display of whatever sparks or blood or whatever that's coming out look at that the way that that those colors bend and twist against each other and you say wow that was pretty cool the way they did that. i mean you can use the word cool because it does trigger certain emotions in the listener or reader right this was cool the way they did that like why can't you do that so it's easy on the one hand but finding very specific words to encapsulate your feelings for why that color spread made you feel a certain way that's difficult it's easy to say cool or awesome or fantastic or phenomenal we do it every week every episode we say those words right but they're not specific enough is what i'm getting at the 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 feeling that you have when you see this blue bumped against this orange you can say cool or you can say fantastic that's not good enough what is it making you feel well it i do feel it it makes me feel like it's fantastic. Okay, push it again. It makes me feel like it's electric. Push it farther. This is what I try and and, and put and get in, into my the minds of my students is always push farther. And I'm guilty of it myself. How many times do I say amazing or mm-hmm. or phenomenal? Sure, sure. We say we're lazy because we only have three hours <laughs> to do this, right? So we take shortcuts and we say, yeah, that was great, mock boots. Look at the nuances in his in his quieter moments. They're 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 just on. They're amazing. I hate him. He's so good. But that doesn't do justice to the art. And I don't think we can ever do justice to the art, even if it's bad. When when you say this art didn't do it for me, why? Push it. Say this disgusted me. Push it farther. I think the artist was weak because the lines are half baked and unformed and and noodly and and just they're, they're messy and it's just i just don't like it why don't you like it keep pushing that membrane farther and farther and farther till you find that word that really encapsulates what you're feeling it's very difficult to do because for one my vocabulary is not that huge 
I mean, Jason, I think, has the, the biggest vocabulary of the three of us. Jason's vocabulary isn't, isn't large enough to encapsulate what he feels. That's the problem. You're taking a, a, a form of communication that was never, ever meant to comment on something that words fail. You can never do it. And so maybe that's me taking the easy way out and say, we can never do it, so we're just going to say fantastic and phenomenal and amazing. It's not good enough. It's not. And I would love to just be able to communicate in a way that didn't require words. I wanted, I want to dance about architecture, yeah. right? And that's, you know, to yeah. go back to the old chestnut. Writing about yeah. music is like dancing about architecture. And it's this, this stupid thing, this, this ineffectual thing we have called language that you can, mm-hmm. you can know all the words, all the words, and you could never, ever come close to, to encapsulating what these, how and these yeah. things make us feel. And it's so frustrating. I don't know if you guys ever get it. Maybe, maybe not, especially you, Vince, because you're an artist. But I get a lot of people who will say things like, oh, because they think of me as an academic guy. Like, oh, i like surprised you read so many comics. You know, like, mm. like I'm talking about people that don't know me that well. You know, just more kind of like discovering I'm into comics. And then it's always – I always find it a fascinating opportunity to articulate that uh, – what you just said, which is that the, the magic of comics for me – is is that it does it is a more fully rendered uh expression of somebody's ideas right i mean i love books i read a ton of books but but uh books are great because they i'm filling in the blanks i'm 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 picturing the happenings in my head and sometimes that can be very powerful and sometimes that is preferred uh but um but for me uh especially if i'm looking to enjoy like fiction and an escapist work uh I love to see 99% of the art I'm seeing in comics is stuff I couldn't do myself. So it's, it's magical to see it rendered in that way. It, it, it's far more expressive. It's far more fulfilling and enriching, right? Like, like the, the, the whole premise is, is, is less work and more pure entertainment for me. I, you know, I just, I, uh, I, so yeah, I just, I think it's just a completely, I don't want to say it's better. I mean, because I do love books, but I think for me, it's definitely a prefer. It's my preferred medium in terms of being entertained. Yeah, same. You because know? I've noticed it when I do read novels that, good as they may be, or or um, they still don't measure up to the words and pictures. Words alone. Uh, I mean, I, I read like you. I read a lot of of prose, and yeah. it just it, there's something missing in it mm-hmm. for me. Cool. Yep. I think we should just devote an entire episode to riffing on this this topic because I, I can I can go all day on this. Well, maybe the maybe the book of the month should be understanding comics. Oh, the um. Yeah, I, one thought is when you read a novel, like you could read Stephen King's It, and it's a certain way in your head, and then you get a CBS made for TV mini movie, and and it's not anything. It's not scary. It's not 
anything it, it's almost cheesy the way it comes across on the screen when you let someone else tell that story you had in your head um but yeah no when it when it comes to the comics um I, you're There is somebody in the driver's seat, obviously, because because you're, it, which is why the whole, you know, it, it's you're you read you read the novel at your pace and filling in everything in your head aside from the words. Now you're you're setting the scene. You're you're if the author doesn't tell you exactly what a character looks like, you've already put that visage in your head. Um, but if you're reading a comic, then yeah, you have somebody drawing that scene. You have the writer, the, the word balloons, the placement, the, the, the tales between the balloons, that's all letting you know a passage in time. So you're, you're being, it's almost like you're acting out a play that is, you're being directed as to how to read it, how to consume this. Whereas, um, the novel you you have a lot more control and even though you're still you're still seeing what's on the page but it is it's it's a fantastic it's a fascinating um discussion we we definitely should yeah and you you know we didn't even crack the surface of this thing it's it's incredibly complex and on the other hand it's incredibly simple it's it's, it's just it's baffling well, it, it's it, it, when Yes, it can be incredibly simple because if you have a three-panel strip and panel one, two, and then the punchline, it's like you know, and it's just two characters. You know, you're reading you're reading a BC strip, and and two dudes just standing there by the rock, and then that's it. I mean, you followed it along, you told the complete story, you chuckled or you groaned, and that was it. But then you get something like. And, and you know, and and you're being there's a lot, or or even Mahmoud's Conan, where you know you can just stare at a double page spread and take in every single crack and sinew and and chip of a sword blade. It's there's something special about looking at a page of comic art. Because I mean, for some people. It's, you know, I wish I could do that for other people. It's like, I can't believe that, you know, marks on a paper produce this. Or I, I look at it as, you know, I compare, I look at the way George Perez would draw the New Teen Titans or Paul Smith would draw the X-Men. And, you know, just to see how the weight of each character, how much detail is in Robin's tunic compared to Cyclops's visor, and and just see see where see where the artists differ on on their approach, and and I, I could still see a person, I could still see a figure, whether it's just whether it's someone like Chris Somney, who thanks to negative space, I can tell that where the ear is and 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 where the eyebrow is, or I look at someone like. 
Rip who puts in every strand of hair and and uh, on their head and in their eyebrow. And it's, you know, is, is it overkill? Is it still, I mean, you're still telling the same, you're telling the same story. It's just how much do you want to give the reader? How, how much do you, do you want them to fill in some blanks or you just want there to be no room for interpretation? Well, I think that's a whole different story. Or conversation. That is, you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, it's all it's all layered, but yeah. No, because you get you get like peanuts. You get one man's vision. Right. That's I think the, the what you talked about is a problem or a shortcoming with the way comics are made. The the way they're produced now because you don't get one man or one man's vision. You get the vision of a bunch of different people who work on it and then for whatever reason stop working on it and then you get other people working on it and then they do their their say with it and you say, oh, yeah, you know, Wade's Captain America was great. No, 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 no. I think Englehart or or or, um, Stern. or Stern, you know, their their version was, was Captain America was great where with Peanuts, there's only one version and right. that's a pure type of storytelling where you you're completely enraptured with these characters because it's the story's the same over the course of however many years Charles Schultz did peanuts but you got a hundred different guys drawn Spider-Man over the course of or more over the course of his history so yeah the, the it, it just seems like someone else is talking to you or someone else is defining this moment in this character's time where with peanuts there's one guy so I mean, that's a different kind of take on on art. And and you you mentioned BC, like where it's just three panels of these cavemen sitting near a rock, right? And on the surface, uh-huh. that's what it is, but it's not. It's it's the way Johnny Hart drew the rock, mm-hmm. and the beard on this caveman, yeah. and the hair, and the the, the big feet, right? And, yeah, and or that on peg leg. Yeah. yeah, and it's not reality. It's it's it's. Johnny Hart speaking to you with these marks on a page and it, it's it's not the same as talking and it's 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 not the three panel joke it's something entirely different but you can't have that thing that's entirely different without the what it is the caveman sitting at the rock it's a rock but it's not a rock it's a marks on a page and how you feel about the way he drew those marks that is a rock that's not a rock you know, it's so hard to get this shit out to 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 put words around it. It kills me. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I'm just talking to myself, here, not, not you. But I mean, I ha- I also read something that is probably a rarity because I bet it's a Matt Wagner work that David has not read. Whoa. I think I'm With right. This? Um is written by Matt Wagner, illustrated by the amazing John K. Snyder III. Either of you ever see Dr. Midnight, the three-issue prestige miniseries that came out of D.C. Uh, maybe 1999? What does it say? Um, Came out in... Oh, boy. No glasses. 1999. I was right. I'm guessing David would like it and I'm also thinking Jason would not. Damn, always trying to say I'm a hater. No, it it's 
you know, I'm looking at the clock and it, we're already almost two and a half hours in, so I don't want to go as deep as I wanted to. But if you. Especially if you look at the Slack. Uh, look at the Slack. What is the Slack? Oh, you didn't read it? Or maybe it did. I don't know. Um. Jason's list is friggin uh, for I know, here, it goes on for days. Yeah, here here's a little bit of inside baseball. We <laughs> we put our our what we've read uh for each episode on the Slack so we can see if any of us could tag team on something and Jason keeps adding to his list but he doesn't take off things that he made. We don't talk about it. Yeah, and so on my list. So Jason's list is friggin two screens long. David, hey, man. I read a lot. David's okay. is getting up there because you still have Deathstroke on your list. And you did, I know you didn't talk about it, but that's been on your list for a long time. Right, because I'm still reading. I, I'm wondering until the Arkham arc finishes. Plus, you, a lot of these titles, I just add issues to the title. Like right. Yeah. So, so I'm looking at David's, and he did read Dr. Midnight. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. I am wrong in the fact that. Hi. Now, the reason why I say Jason may not like this is because if you were doing a checklist – on the aspects of um, the pulp superhero or the pulp hero um, genre that makes it work, Dr. Midnight checks off almost everything on that list. Um, intelligent, uh, self-financed man, check. A group of um, a posse. A group of assistants that help him in his yeah, Sherlock ta- has that too. Yes, but look at look at the great pulp heroes: the Shadow, Doc uh, Doc Savage. Like they all have these certain traits. They share certain traits, and the Doctor Midnight, this three issue miniseries, has a lot of them. Man, um, they have a, a posse, the, the assistants that help them out in their goals. They have a, an array of gadgets that they employ. In their their fight against evil, the the evil is nefarious and ridiculous. And, I mean, you can go down the whole list. Doctor Midnight has them all. Um, can we save this for next week? I want to, because we will we will we'll, we'll go deep. Just tell me, did you love it or did you not? I love it. I think it's perfect comics. I absolutely love it for I, me. I think that it it's it looks amazing. It's there are parts where it's silly. I, I oh, it's ridiculous. Are, yeah, it's so silly in some spots. There are there are just, and again, this is one of those things where the parts of it, but it doesn't. It's very similar to some degree the way Terry Moore does um, does his comics, where the men have this squared off word balloon, the women have the more rounded, traditional, softer word balloon. Um, Piator has, you know, his is in a square or a rectangle, um, but very few other men are, and and so it's not it, it, it's not a male female thing. It's just it's the way that cross um, comes across when he speaks. And but no, it's it's yeah no we can we can okay. definitely maybe, maybe Jason will read it for next episode. I would love for Jason to read it. I think there, there, I think I think there are because this will, I'll also finally be able to get. Eight million ways to die off my list because I can kind of segue briefly onto it. But the um, it's I, I think there are parts in this that that Jason will dig. I think he'll dig the, um, the dialogue 
but I, yeah, th- there are definitely parts where, um, I, I, I do think he'll like it. But, but he's read JSA. So, right, right. So you're, 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 you're intimately familiar with the character of Dr. Midnight. Oh, sure. Right. So that's, a, that's an in, but I'm telling you, if, if you read this and you like it, there's very, very little difference between this and The Shadow and Doc Savage. It, the, the, it, there's almost no wiggle room that they're so hey, similar. Listen, I, I wasn't an episode or two ago, I was loving Dr. Fang, right? Which you said was all pulp. Yeah, sure. I just. Maybe I'm secretly a pulp lover after all. I don't know. But, but put it this way the villains in this series are Batman villains. The, mm-hmm. if you, are you familiar with the terrible trio? Uh, not really, no. Okay, but you will be after you uh, yeah. after you read this. Yeah, uh, I they, love they're... the cameo at the end of it too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. So good. So good. And it and it's it it, it for it, nothing else. The artwork will just please you to no end because it's diverse. Yeah. It's it's so. All across the, it, it's think Sinkevich, but, mm-hmm. but I don't want to say better, but different. The, there, there you are, can't say better if you're going to talk about that. Yeah, and it's not better, but the, uh, it, it's in this. I mean, I have a list of artists that I was going to mention when we talk about this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, save it for, if you're going to say, if you're going to talk about yep. this again next week, let's save it because yep. you guys are going in pretty deep for something you're not going to talk about until next week. It wasn't even five minutes, but yeah, okay. All right. I know, but now, you, now you're starting to talk about different art. Like I'm saying, you, yeah. This could quickly turn into you talking about it. So. Yeah, you got a Vegas trip to go to tomorrow. So no, we, I'm, I'm, let, we, keep, we got plenty of other stuff to talk about. We do? Like what? Shit, yeah, dude. You just ran down his list. You said it was pages it, long. Oh, it is. It's too, Let me pick one. Can I put, oh. you on, can I put you on the spot? I mean, you can. Some of these has been a minute, but go ahead, sure. What do I, I – well, I definitely don't want to hear about the Black Crown Omnibus because I ordered it and it's coming in my next box, and I don't want to hear you talk about that. So okay. nothing on the Black Crown Omnibus. Um, what the hell is Boo It's Sex? Ah, um, yeah. So I mentioned this a little bit when um, I mentioned w- that I was going to talk about it and never haven't done so yet when uh, Sanford was on. Um, line Webtoons, it's one of the web comics I've been reading on Line Webtoons. That's what the LW stands for on the list. Um, oh. It is a romantic slice of life written um, by um, uh, Daniel Corsetta. From the CGS days, Girls with oh. Astronauts. She's uh, not Girls with Astronauts. <laughs> girls with, girls sl- with Slingshots. Yeah, yes. Slingshots. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's it's online webtoons. It's like a little daily. I don't know if it even comes out daily. It's it's a, but it's like a vignette about uh, sex and relationships. Very cute. Like it's very it's it's just clever. Um, is it dirty? Not not in the, not like very much in the vein of Menage a Three. Really, I mean, like oh, Menage a Three gets pretty dirty. Yeah, th- this this does too. I mean. Yeah, it's it's it, they talk about sex, you know. So, um, yeah, it's it's the um, line webtoons has been fun, and that and Urban Animal, um, which is John Ammer's book, and um, and then the Thousand, which is Sanford's book, are the three that I've been reading with consistency since I downloaded the app. So, the um, my nieces were uh were over for the weekend and apparently um my wife asked me if i heard about this this comic 
Sid. I was like, and I, I took me a second, and I'm like, so, I'm like, I, I guess it's SID, but it's a line webtoon strip that one of my oh, nice. enjoys quite a bit. Sweet. Hmm. Uh, I did want to mention because it's probably going. It's I well not is it it not probably it is factoring in a lot of the submissions from our our community. Um, I know we mentioned that we had all acknowledged that we probably were wrong in our initial dismissal of the Immortal Hulk. Yes, and yes. Um, I did read the entirety of the suit. Well, up through the most recent issue, issue eleven, this week, and. I don't think we could have been more wrong. Seriously, right? <laughs> it's like, I don't know what we were collectively smoking with that first issue, but we we took it to task pretty heavily. And uh, it's a fantastic series, and it's so strangely and wonderfully unique in a world of Marvel DC superheroes. It's it's not at all like any other superhero book on the shelves. And I got to tell you, for as much as I think what Al Ewing's doing with the story and the character is fascinating, uh, I've never not been a Joe Bennett fan. In fact, we have talked about plenty of books mainly at DC that he's done over the years that we've enjoyed, uh, including his Deathstroke run. But I, I got to tell you, I don't know what the hell happened to Joe Bennett with this book, but this is the book he's been meant to do all these years. Hmm. This does not look like Joe Bennett to me. I, I mean, this is, he is stretching his artistic muscles in ways he's never been asked to do before. So just, wow, I am blown away by this book. It is fascinating. You have to accept that this is not your 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 Hulk from your kid your childhood. Exactly. You have to accept that. Yeah. If you're if willing you to re- that. Yeah. If you're willing yeah. to let that go, relinquish any any ties you have with what came before, like this is definitely not the Peter David run. No. You know. Um good God. It's it's just crazy. The Hulk is vivisect the Hulk. Yes. And he's so deformed and, and just exaggerated and just Really, he loves killing. He loves murder. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's it, been great. I mean, it, it is on every best of list, and it, it seems like it's getting every list that delineates for superheroes. It's winning the best superhero book. I mean, full disclosure, it's it's not going to make my eleven o'clockers, um, but it's certainly it, it, it's certainly a hell of a book. Yeah, and the um, appearance in eleven. Was was amazing. There's that word, amazing. It 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 was it was the character, but not the character, and it was mm-hmm. used in a way that made sense. And it was just because David, I don't think read um, up to a. No, I'm going to catch up. Yeah, it's oh god, and the the tree of life is <laughs> is on the freaking page of a. Uh, I, I I we we need to go into into depth when when yeah uh, and I I love the depiction that of Ewing with of, of Walter Lankowski yes He's so goddamn creepy in this book yep it's it's wonderful so yeah anyway just I uh, I'm probably not doing an eleven issue run justice but I, no. I just to say that that th- those of you that have been shaking your fists at us for ignoring this book this year you were right we were wrong for sure. And uh, Alex Ross, god damn, he does great covers. Yeah, I know what we said, what we said about his sequentials, but as a cover artist, oof, he yeah. is he is biggest swinging dick, I think, in the industry. Did you see uh, that video that was going around of his a tour of his house, his comic room? No, no. He it is amazing. He is the world's biggest geek. 
first of all, he's got a be- not surprisingly an absolutely gorgeous townhouse slash condo in Chicago, but it is a museum quality geek extravaganza. I mean, it's movie props, costumes, original art. All his house is full of it. It's awesome. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I gotta see this. Send me the link if you remember it. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find it. I'll post it in the uh, in the episode thread as well. Sweet. Okay. Um, can I do a little bit of a downbeat and so we can Oof. so we can pull it up um, at the end? Sure. Did either of you? Okay, I should just look at the Slack. Um, did either of you read the Batman Who Laughs number one? Nope. That isn't on my list, but I did read it. David, did you read it? Nope. With much respect, I thought... <laughs> with I, peace I, and love? With, with yeah. much re- peace and love and much respect to the artist, uh, Jock, I thought he looked like hell in this issue. It, it, it was... This is the major leagues. This is a big character. It it is probably the the hot button character at DC right now. They they pimp the hell out of it. The the in the DC Nation or whatever the the magazine is that they they publish. He is among the 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 favorite villains. I think he was number one. And this is what you produce for the first issue of his limited series. I thought it looked terrible. Did you feel the same way? I absolutely did. Yes. It, it's it's not the jock that I know. I thought he dro- I, this this character. I'm not saying it won't at some point resonate with me, but I I it, it just doesn't. I know this is one of those zeitgeist characters that as soon as it hit, it went viral and seemingly there's a lot of demand for it. But I I, I don't quite get it. And again, having read this issue with no knowledge of what went on in metal. I thought the story was fine. It was it was intriguing, but the art was just it was slapdash. It didn't it didn't fire anything within me to keep reading this this series. I don't know. Yeah, I was I'm one and done myself. That's why I didn't even put it on the Slack. Okay. So so I, I feel better now knowing that you feel the same way. But um, mm-hmm. it it was it was a, a massive letdown. If this was drawn by Capullo. Yikes! I, I I thought it would be a a um, a, a big 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 hit, but mm-hmm. no no sorry. So let's bring it up, and we're gonna say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> say goodbye. Hey everybody! Um, but see, this is the a new year, and I've made resolutions. Okay. Uh, and and you took one of them, but that's okay. Because we we can both have the same resolution, we but sure can. but one of them is is to be um, a little more honest on both sides of the coin. Like yes, I'm fickle, and I will be more honest about how fickle I am. Um, but on the other side, if I see something that doesn't really um, float my boat, it's not going to be a doom and gloom um, comic suck eleven o'clock. You know, for me. But if like this Batman who laughs, if I if I think that it was not what I expected or what I thought it should be based on the the popularity of the character, I'm gonna say so. Right? I'm just being honest. I, it doesn't. I, it, it's not me saying 
Jock is a terrible artist because he's, of course, he's not. Look at the losers. Look at everything he's done. He he's a very capable man. But I just thought that the Batman who laughs, I don't know whether he got stage fright or he crumbled under the the, the pressure of producing this book that everybody wants to see. You know, but it just wasn't it wasn't good enough, is what I'm saying. So that's what I'm going to say. And if you know, you don't like it, too bad. But I okay, yeah, yeah. What do you guys make resolutions? Uh, comic based? No, no, nope. I'm gonna buy more singles, specifically more Marvels, because I I feel like I've I've uh, that's a big big dead spot for me for the past like what at least five years. So I uh, cool. Yeah, I'd like to rekindle a little bit of that Marvel love and buy some more Marvel singles. And if, you know, they're not good, I'll say so. But I I, I need to reconnect with the House of Ideas. Mm. Cycle is turning. No, not really. I don't buy many DC books either. It's true. Yeah. So. All right. Wet blankets. If you want to get uh, your comics cheaply, and efficiently and delivered right to your door, there's really only one place to go. That's Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Get them all, get them fast, get them delivered right to the, your domicile for a little bit of money, far less than what everybody else is paying. DCBService.com, the best. In your travels, um, yikes, I pretty much covered everything. Um, let's get caught up on Immortal Hulk for next time too. I know Jason did, but I'm really speaking to myself and um, David. Let's read it all and we'll talk about it next time. Sure. Is that good? Do you want to read it? Yeah, no, that's fine. I, yes, I want to. I, I I have it queued up. I just, I haven't yet. Well, it's good. Because there's, there's a couple things I need to read before February and we have a few things to take care of, so... What, what do you have to read before February? Maybe I'll read them too. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you after. Okay, good. Suspense. <laughs> I like suspense. So that's it. Read uh, Immortal Hulk because I'm gonna. There's a couple okay. issues in between. I read the last one, but I, I think I skipped over two in between somewhere. Mm-hmm. And go. Uh, in your travels, um, be like Jason, read Dr. Midnight, but, um, <laughs> and love it and love it. Um, and I will say keeping it up, upbeat and positive and, uh, the reason I really can't in my heart of hearts as much as I I want to, and it was at the start, uh, co-signed with Vince and say that the Terrifics is um, his favorite DC book. Um, I read and I've talked about this before, um, but I read Action Comics 1006 before we recorded tonight, and I was just... It's still... It, Jason mentioned in an earlier issue of Superman how Bendis kind of gets the character and how he can um, explain to the reader um, 
what Superman does and what he goes through and, and how he deals with it all. Um, action also did that um, this week with, with uh, Superman's uh, confrontation with the Red Cloud. And Ryan Sook's art is, is amazing on these two issues, 1005, 1006. But um, the... I'm, I'm enjoying both... Superman books, but I, I think I'm enjoying action uh, quite a smidge more. Um, it's just it, it. It's been a long time since I've been excited to read a. Um, well, I've been excited to read action comics, so um, there's that. And I ended 2018. Um, the afternoon, uh, Monday, going to the movies, and I finally was able to uh, carve out a little chunk of time to see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. There you it go. Absolutely. Um, it's, it, there are no words. I know Vince was talking about how to, how to describe things, and but it's I, – I can't wait. To see it again, I, I can't wait to have have the disc so I can pop it in and and watch it anytime. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of of, of animation. The story is fantastic. The 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 Easter eggs, the um, the the stinger at the end of the credits. It's all just so so much fun. And and if you're if you can appreciate or, you know, you can tolerate Spider-Man before you see the movie, um, there's, there's something for everybody to love in the movie. So if you haven't, um, get yourself to the theater to see that. No doubt. We got some shout outs. We forgot to do. We do. Yes. Cause I closed Slack. Well, we got three new Patreon shout outs. Shout out to our, our newest patrons at the shout out tier. And these are familiar names for those of you that have been around the block. These are our three of our homies, our lifers. We've got uh, Mr. Dave Proust. Does anyone else want to take the others? Or oh, I didn't want I didn't want to get choppy because I, I closed Slack. We uh, have it's uh, where is this anyway? Where'd you put it? in the episode thread okay um we have as you said david proust our buddy hassan yes yes and um do you do you want to take the last one jason our man verson yes once and future patron he's back it's crazy love you for that so much so much and i did not um do a episode card for this uh time around but really? the the no i didn't i just i wanted to concentrate the uh one lucky patron will receive the original transcript of cameron hathaway's say goodnight david in their box hey it's a piece of eoc history and, and it, it's someone will get it in lieu of an episode card because i like to give something extra 
you know, here's some books. But, you know, the card makes it. And, and when I do the boxes, I alternate. The first person gets a card. Second person doesn't get a card or vice versa because I don't right. have enough cards to give around. So right. I, I would love to throw something specific to the show in every box. I do. So this is going in. Yes. And on that front, it, we do have another chunk of care packages that we are due to get out here in the next few weeks. Yep. We will keep you apprised. Uh, thank you for your patience. Uh, but uh, we're, we're definitely on it. Um, so in your travels, uh, two things. One, since Dap shouted out a Marvel flick, I will pay due to uh, currently on its way to being the most successful, at least profit-wise, DC Comics movie yet, um, starring Mr. Jason Momoa. Talking about Aquaman. Ooh. It was an absolute blast of fun. Uh, I'm not going to suggest it's... Uh, you know, the, the most uh, tight movie ever written. But it's exactly what I expected it to be. It is a visual spectacle. Momoa is charming AF. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a comic book come to life. It, it, was, it was wildly fun. Um, and it felt like, and, and this is just me <laughs> editorializing, it felt like they were, they made they thought to themselves, you know, with everything that's going on with with these DC films, I don't know if we're going to get a second. So let's just do everything we possibly can in this, in this one. So they pretty much threw everything in the kitchen sink related to Aquaman into this one, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So definitely worth your time to go see in the theater because it's uh, it's definitely a theater film, I think, uh, and probably the most colorful comic book movie we've ever seen. So great stuff. Well, that's a good start. Very good. Not dark. Not dark and brooding like the Zach. It's like anti-Zach. Uh, wow. Zach Snyder. Awesome. Um, yeah, I know. Absolutely. And Momoa's charming AF, as is uh, as, as is Mara. Um, <sighs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then on the reading tip, um, just wanted to say, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about this for a sec. Um, I read a, a graphic novel. Um, well, I read several this week, but um, this is uh, it's written by Gustavo Borges with art by Gustavo Borges. It is Petals. It is uh, by Boom Studios from their um, all ages, or actually from their children's imprint. Uh, and it's a very lovely little storybook. Um, I read it and then reread it with my youngest son who was about to turn 10 because I think that's really who it was geared for. Um, this, the story is, is a simple one. It's, it's the dead of winter, um, a Fox family. It's, it's a father and a son, uh, are living in a cabin in the woods. They, they're struggling to make ends meet because the dad is very ill. Um, so the son is out trying to get firewood and food and it's a struggle. And he comes across a crow in a tuxedo and a top hat and the crow um, helps the fox and then comes back to their cabin and nurses the dad back to health and uh, things happen from there. Um, it's a bit of a, it's got a bit of a supernatural bent to it uh, in the grand scheme of things. It's somewhat like a, a moral tale or a fable, I guess um, in its conclusion, but it's uh, it's, it's beautifully done and it's heartwarming Um it's seasonal. It's definitely a book that I think is perfectly suited to read in the winter, especially after a big snowstorm. 
And uh, yeah, I think it's great. So for those of you that are always on the search for books that are okay to have your kids read or read with your kids, I highly recommend Petals by Boom um, by Gustavo Borges. So, and then I think it only costs you like nine bucks at, at in stock. That's not bad at all. Yeah, for a hardcover. Neat. Mm-hmm. One more thing, just speaking about the dark DC Universe movies. I, I finally saw Deadpool 2. Oh. Mm-hmm. And that line just triggered it when Deadpool says to Cable, you're, you're so dark. <laughs> what are you from, you know, the DC Universe? Uh, I, I thought the movie was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I agree with everything you said that, uh, you know, Domino was a, a, a huge part of why I enjoyed the movie. But that's not Cable. <laughs> that that that's cable only in name, but it looks w- a lot like cable, but it doesn't act like cable. No, right? he doesn't act like cable at all. I agree, but I thought it was fun. So uh, here we go. We're out of here, everybody. Um, if you would Happy like, New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, Merry New Year, Merry New Year. Bumble, 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 if you would like to experience more of this, come to our Facebook page. It's always hopping. Join us on the Twitter and uh, take a peek. At our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, 110-O-C-L-O-C-K-O-C-O-M-I-C-S. That was a little bit muddled way of saying 11 o'clock comics. And uh, as usual, say goodnight. Boom, pop, boom, shakalaka, waka, 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 shiggy, diggy, licky, licky. Oh, Danny, boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. Ah, wiki, 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 zot, ping, pang, walla, walla, bing, bang, check it out. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Damn right, it's better than yours. David. Okay. Good night. You're not even like whispering or nothing, man. That's crazy. It's one for days, bro. David. Mm. Oh. No, I don't think so, buddy. I don't even know, man. That was so long. I don't even know. <laughs> and if you would like to compose the interstitial between the good night and David, send some our way. We'll do this again. Mm-hmm. This is fun. Did y'all Best know time. that? Thank oh, you, Cameron. So one other thing. Hmm. If any of our listeners happen to either live in or be visiting Las Vegas this weekend, oh wow, your boy Wood will be there, taking care of his business, and uh, hit a brother up. Hit me on the Facebook groups, or the Twitters, or the Slacks, and uh, love to have a drink with you. Maybe play some roulette. It's all good. It's going to set your soul on fire. I'll be staying at the Luxor. So if you actually happen to be at the Luxor, even better. Wow, nice. Look at you. Now you know someone's going to show up in the well, there. It's not the Venetian, but okay. No, it's it's not. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It'll do. It will do. Yes. <laughs> All right, everybody. Such a good time. Hope you join us for the next one. We love you so much. Say, say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. It was like your Mark Wahlberg impersonation. Say goodbye, guys. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Did you know they brought Wacky Races back? What? What? Cartoon? Yeah, on Boomerang. Oh, so it's the the original stuff. No, it's new. What? New Wacky Races.
I don't have the boomerang. Mm, sucks for you. Is it good? To be determined. I got it on the DVR right now. Wow. Very curious. Because it's, you don't... It's like modern animation, though, like 3D. Oh, boy. So I'm skeptical. Mm. It's no Wacky Raceland, that's for sure. Which was... <laughs> which was awesome. Horrible. <laughs> Broke my heart. Nah, it was good. It was just different interpretation. That whole line just went to places I did not expect. You know this, like Scooby Doo. That Scooby Doo uh, apocalypse is still going. Of course it is. I still read it. You do? Yeah. Yeah. Fred's dead, and he's he's like the zombie. Oh, sorry. My bad. We're out of here. Bye. Peace and love. Always been on black.